Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. WOGL HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter always live on the free Odyssey app the revolution will be broadcast this is the next generation of talk now on talk radio 1210 WPHT Rich Zioli it's got a uh, zen pouch from my man Greg Price Look at that! I'm a I'm an I'm an alpha male. Look at that! I yeah. love it. Yeah, you gotta. Are you gonna go upper or lower? With uh, it? What do you recommend? Upper upper deck, lower deck. You gotta throw an upper deck. Throw an, all right, I'm gonna try this. All right, let's see it. Here we go. Get, nothing will get the. Uh, Why be able to talk? Welcome to the show. We're live at Radio Row on CPAC. I mean, it's a little tricky, but I can uh, I can do. It. I'll take it out for now. I'll do it on commercial break. All right, welcome to the show. We are live at CPAC. It's me, Rich Zioli, with you. Uh, what an amazing day here so far. 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. I'm excited because one of my favorite people on social media, Greg Price, is here. My man. How you doing, buddy? Doing great. It's good to be with you. It's great to see uh, some Philly representation yeah, at CPAC. You, you are a Philly guy. Yeah, I grew up. Uh, I was born in Northeast and grew up in Bucks County, just outside the city. Great to see Philadelphia people in, D- in in the D.C. area today for this event. And just so you understand, I mean, in terms of social media influence, Greg Price, whose Twitter bio, which I absolutely love, this guy gives us more content for the show than I could ever possibly imagine. Uh, with 350,000 followers, God is real and dudes rock, Philly guy, comms for at SFC Network, we'll talk about that. Uh, how do you, I mean, you come up with great audio clips and video clips. We're using them throughout the show, throughout the day. How do you do it? Yeah, a lot of uh, producers for TV and radio tell me that I'm like a lifesaver to You them. are, literally. Not to toot my own horn. But, I mean, I started uh, at the Daily Caller. That was my first job in, in media and politics. And, you know, back then I started tweeting clips from the Daily Caller Twitter account trying to be first to breaking news and yeah. all of that stuff. 
and it was something that was really successful for the Daily Caller, and we, you know, boosted them on social media a lot just by doing that. And then when I left, I just started doing it from my own account, and you know, it turned, you know, I've, it's been a couple years now, and it's it's turned into a pretty big thing where you know it's the. You know, I have a, a lot of friends who do do it too with the clips, and it's always we, we always joke how it's a race to be first to all of them, and uh, you know it's it's fun, and you know I, when you're breaking a story, it, it gets addicting. The the endorphins go when when you yeah. when you're first to something, and so I love doing it, and it's really important because you expose you know the, the left, but just by using their own words against them, and people get really mad at me for doing it. Um, but you know, it's your own words that I'm just putting out there, and that and that people are seeing for themselves. Now there was a big scandal because uh, President Trump shoved a guy at Mar-a-Lago, shoved him in such a rude, rude manner. But as Greg Price points out on Twitter, it was actually not a shove uh, in any way, shape, or form. It was a it was a pat. It was a yeah, pat. it was my friend Garrett Ventry. He's a great guy. Uh, <laughs> he just he took a selfie with Trump and he patted him on the back, and all of these liberal accounts are like. Donald Trump just bodied some guy at Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> it was so strange. It was uh, people will believe anything on the internet, I guess. Well, they want him, they want to vilify him so bad. So you know, it's like it's like going like this, literally, and then they go, "Oh my God, he body slammed them. Look at these with violence." You know, that's you know, all these people. Yeah, completely ridiculous. <laughs> what do you think of CPAC so far? Yeah, CPAC's always a great event every year. That this is my seventh time coming for the last seven years, and. You know, the great thing about CPAC every year, you know, for, you got the presentations, which is all really important. All the biggest names in the conservative movement are here, and it's always interesting to hear what they have to say. The, you know, the other, I think the more important aspect of CPAC, though, is just the networking and the, the social aspect. Like, I came for the first time as a college student who wanted to work in conservative politics and conservative media, and CPAC was really kind of, it was a big way of how I got my foot in the door. You know, you come here and you network with people you meet people from all over the country who are a part of the movement and that's how that's how you can get involved and if you're if you're a college student right now going to one of these types of events whether it's CPAC whether it's a turning point event or any of these other things big networking opportunities if that's what you want to make your career out of now the left has a narrative that young people are not conservative and they never will be conservative until they're 35 or 40 how old are you I'm 26 26 years old I see a lot of young people here there's a ton of young people here yeah, yeah, there's always young people at CPAC. They really make an effort to get a lot of college students here. I'm pretty sure it's for, the tickets are free for college. I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure when I went, the tickets were free for college students. And, yeah, it's really important to reach out to the next generation and to make to give them the right ideas because, as we've seen in all these elections, young people have tended to vote Democrat in elections, and I think you know that's something we really need to fix. We really need to you know, go to people who are part of Gen Z like I am and speak to the issues that they're passionate about and tell them the truth about their country, tell them the truth about how evil and corrupt their government is. I think, you know, especially young men are very impressionable these days, and I think they react to conservative ideas very well. Greg Price, your the videos, the clips, all the stuff that you show on social media, I mean, that's how we're reaching people nowadays. We, we have to. We need to do that. Do you think that the conservative movement, the Republican Party in general, is doing enough of that? No, not even close to doing enough of it. I think, you know, I think we're really bad at, at reaching, uh, you know, Gen Z. And it's uh, it shows in the way that they vote, right? You know, yeah. they, they vote overwhelmingly Democrat. And I think that, you know, we really need to change our approach. It's why I'm, I also use TikTok a lot because, you know, we talk about how, it's, you know, obviously owned by China and that's a real problem. But, 
that's where all the young people are these days is on TikTok more so than than X and more so than Instagram. And I think even if, if you don't work in the government and you don't have the security risks, it's important for conservative voices to use it. That's why I do it. You know, the other point on TikTok, too, and Senator Rand Paul made, made a great thing, a great point on this. He said, if we ban TikTok, we're going to lose an entire generation of potential voters. Like, we're just going to say goodbye to them if we ban TikTok. I mean, I think banning TikTok is one of the dumbest ideas Ever it really to ban like to ban an app is stupid. I understand ban it for government employees. You know don't don't let them. They work at the Pentagon. Fine, don't let them use it. Although the president uses TikTok, but you know that's a whole other story. <laughs> but it does not make sense to ban this app. No, it it doesn't for a variety of reasons. Chief among them being it's not the only very popular app owned by China. Um, you know there's other there's an app called Timu, which is a shopping app, and Shine. They're both shopping apps, both owned by China. Both are higher on the App Store than TikTok, as well as another one, CapCut, which is a video editing app owned by the same parent company that owns TikTok. Mm -hmm. And we're, nobody's ever talked about banning those. TikTok has been in the crosshairs, and the reason is because there's there's a lot of lobbying money from Meta and from other from all of TikTok's competitors to get the government to do it. The other reason that I think it's a it's not exactly the best idea is because you know, if you ban this one app, another app is going to inevitably replace right. it, whether it's owned by China or not. And so, you know, it's, it's I think, heart, you know, we obviously want to take on China, but I think a better idea is what we really need in America is a comprehensive data privacy law that applies to every app, social media app, not just TikTok. Mm -hmm. You know, I think making making we don't have that in our country right now and i think data privacy is really something that that something that could be bipartisan in congress i think this is these are things that republicans and democrats could really agree on yeah we actually have a clip we're going to play later in the show from john stossel uh the great john stossel at reason talking about how your phone is spying on you it's not just tiktok i mean all these apps google maps google chrome i mean all these things are spying on you uh but yeah that's the one that gets the most attention and you're right because of the lobby money from the competitors what about now i mean in terms of mail-in balloting mail-in voting you're pennsylvania uh, we got to win Pennsylvania in 2024. It's essential. I still think the Republican Party is not embracing mail-in balloting and early voting in general. They need to do this. It's got to be. They just got to get over it and embrace it because the Democrats are ballot harvesting, man, and that's not going to change. And I look. I know we would love to just have mail-in, you know, like we go to the polling place that day with a pen and a paper, but it's not going to happen. No, the reality is, unless you can, you have the power to change laws in order, in order, and pass actual election integrity laws. You have to work within the confines of what you're given. And I think especially in Pennsylvania, we have not done a good job of that. Um, you know, we just had that special election in Bucks County. Yep. Um, and the, only they only had 500 mail-in mail ballots for the Republican in comparison to like 3,000 for the Democrat. And we got smoked because of it. The same thing was true in the Supreme Court race from last November. The Democrat vastly overperformed the Republican with mail-in ballots, and we lost a Supreme Court seat in, in what is the most crucial swing state in America. And I think, especially in Pennsylvania, we really need to start embracing early voting. We need to put a lot of money into ballot harvesting in places where it's legal, because if not, we're going to keep losing elections. And it's not like we can't do this. You know, you look at a state like California, where in from like 1990 until 2020, Republicans had never flipped a House race in California from from Democrat to Republican. And then in 2020, they flipped five of them because they finally embraced ballot harvesting so much so that the attorney general of California sued them to try and stop them from ballot harvesting. Right. And so, yeah, it's something we really are not doing a good job of in Pennsylvania and something that the PA GOP and the RNC needs to get behind. Greg Price is with me. He's a must follow on, on social media. This guy is the man. He does so much great work for us. 
exposing the left and bringing great audio clips to the show. We really owe him a great debt of gratitude. Uh, you are really uh, deeply involved with the State Freedom Caucus Network. You're the comms guy for them. Talk to me about that group. Yeah, so clips are not my full-time job. You know, I can't make a full-time. So, I, yeah, I work, so basically we're building the Freedom Caucus in states is what is what we're doing with the State Freedom Caucus Network. It's a very new project. I've been there for a year now. It's only two years old, and we're in 11 states right now. We're basically, we're taking lawmakers, and we're building the House Freedom Caucus in these states. Good. Pennsylvania is a state where we have a Freedom Caucus, too, which they do a fantastic job. Don Kiefer from York is our chairwoman, and Aaron Bernstein is another one. We have lots of great people in the Pennsylvania Freedom Caucus. because and It's important because, you know, national politics gets most of the, most if not all of the attention these days, but the reality is what happens in your state affects your life a whole lot more, and is it, it, are in many ways a lot more important because, you know, the federal government is getting more authoritarian by the day and is taking away our rights. And the last line of defense against that is going to be the states. And the reality of the situation is that many states, especially red states, are not as conservative as they should be. They have lawmakers that are not governing conservative. And people before, you know, we formed these freedom caucuses were shocked to find out what's going on in their own backyard. And just to give you an example, in Wyoming recently, you know, we have a Freedom Caucus in Wyoming. It's a state that Donald Trump won by a greater percentage in 2020 than any other. And in this session, you have Republicans that are voting against defining a woman in state law as a woman. You have Republicans that are voting against school choice. You have Republicans that are voting against all of these what should be common sense, maybe not conservative, but just common sense yeah. bills, but they're not doing it because Democrats are running as Republicans in these places and getting elected. And this is a systemic problem all over the country, and that's what we're trying to fix by expanding the Freedom Caucus there. I think it's brilliant. I'm so glad you're doing it. I think it's great. Uh, narrative. You know, as we think about, for example, Julian Assange, right, and I, I want to make sure that Julian Assange is not prosecuted. I think it's an assault on freedom. The idea that the government can decide who is a journalist and who isn't. In my opinion, you're a journalist, Greg Price. I, I, I view you as one. You don't need a license. You shouldn't have to be recognized by the government to be one. Think of all the narratives that guys like you have helped expose. The, uh, the pipe bomb narrative, right? The January 6th pipe bomb narrative, for, for, for a great example, right? Falling apart. Yeah, I mean, yeah, what's happening to Julian Assange is a disgrace. Like, the guy is has been on—he he had to hide in the Ecuadorian embassy for a decade, and he's had to run from the law since 2010 when he exposed uh, you, how America was gu gunning down civilians in Iraq and exposing, you know, all the problems with the Iraq and Afghanistan war. He's been on the run for decades for doing journalism, for reporting things that were leaked to him. And it's, it's crazy, and he's— probably going to be extradited to America and is probably going to die in prison for it for doing journalism. And, you know, it's it's awful. And you're right where, you know, because the media is such crap, the corporate media yep. specifically, and they don't they only tell one side of the story and they won't investigate the other. You know, citizen journalism has become, I think, one of the most important things in America. And I think, you know, it's, you know, electing Republicans is important. And I think the most important thing that conservatives can fund these days is actual journalism that is taking on the other side in a way that corporate media won't. Um, and that's, you know, thank Elon buying Twitter, I think, was one of the best things that ever yeah. happened for journalism, because now you can tell the other side of the story on X without, you know, the fear of being banned. And there's so many good citizen journalists out there. Many of many of them are at CPAC right now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it's really important because, you, you know, if you have a phone in your pocket with social media, you can affect narratives in ways that rival the power of corporate media. And so, you know, I love doing it. And I'm really glad that we have 
you know, many great ones doing it as well. Listen, my man, keep up the great work. Philly's own Greg Price. Thank you, brother. I appreciate your time today, man. Awesome. It's keep great to be here. Keep up the good work, all right? Appreciate you got to come back on the show more. We got to get you on. I'll be on whenever you want me. DeSantis said he emailed you, but it just got returned. I don't know, some generic. We got to get the real deal. We won't give it away on the air, but <laughs> I think it's Greg Price loves in at gmail.com. I think you wrote out. You're not using Gmail. Who are we kidding? Come on, right? We got to get this man as a regular. He's he's Philly's own. I agree. We're proud of him. Great. Yeah, we got, so. I think, the first Philly spring training game is this week, right? Yeah, it, it's, and I'm going down there in March. I'm so excited. I'm taking my son and my dad. It's going to be great. That's we're, awesome. We're going to do okay this year, I think, right? I, I mean, we have basically the same team, minus Reese, and yeah. Reese didn't even play last year. So right. just got to not blow it in the, in the, in the NLCS again. <laughs> but just not blow it for once, Yeah, okay? I know. Well, yeah, that's a tough <laughs> ask for our teams, unfortunately. <laughs> Greg Price, thank you, buddy. Follow Greg Price on Twitter. It's essential that you do. He's the man. Greg underscore Price 11. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. Uh, we are live at CPAC on Radio Row. We got Matt and Mercedes Schlapp stopping by. We got some great guests. We got a big guest coming up at 6 o'clock tonight. I won't tell you who it is, but uh, this person is on the Veep shortlist. So we got a big show, and I'm glad you're here. 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Whenever we do these shows, we always get interesting people that stop by, and it's always kind of a mystery and who's going to come by. Um, but the one thing I want to make sure is that you also get the news of the day because there's a lot of it out there, and I want to make sure that we can bring it to you, and we will throughout the course of the show. Henry's back in the studio. DeSantis is with me here live at CPAC. Uh, he had to drive back to Philly yesterday because the equipment that we brought wasn't working. But the equipment's working now, and that's a good thing. So we're glad. All right, let's start with some of that wonderful audio that we have for you from today's show. And this is the big story of the day today, brought to you by my buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria, venariadental.com. Go see him today for your perfect smile. Uh, first of all, the question, of course, of whether or not, and this is, I should mention, CPAC is really, truly Trump country. There's no Nikki Haley presence here. Uh, the Republican Party is solidly behind Trump. You can, you can see that here. One of the big things, and I'm going to talk to Congressman Scott Perry about it a little bit later, Biden is once again completely breaking the law. So, Henry, cue up cut number three for me. Completely breaking the law. The United States Supreme Court came out and said you cannot just unilaterally cancel student loan debt. They said this. The Democrats are always screaming that Biden's a dictator and Biden's going to take over America and blah, 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 blah. What dictators do is they, they, they defy the courts. They don't listen to the courts. The Supreme Court tells them something, and the, the dictator says, I'll do whatever the hell I want. You made your opinion. Now let's see you enforce it. And that's exactly what Biden's doing with the student loan debt. And it's a payoff. It's a bribe. In the old days, we used to have to have bags of cash. You know, you, have to, you had to give away street money or cigarettes or both to get people's votes. Now they just send you government money. And, of course, this is going to mostly elite kids in the suburbs of Philadelphia, for example, and their families, and it's a bribe and it's a payoff. Here's Joe Biden announcing that he is defying the United States Supreme Court once again, cut number three. Under my save plan, we're cutting in half to 5% the undergraduate borrowers, what undergraduate borrowers have to pay after their living expenses are accounted for. That means no one with an undergraduate loan, whether it's a community college or a four-year college, will have to pay more than 5 percent of their discretionary income to repay those loans starting in July. And that's income after you pay for necessities like food and housing. Already 7.5 million Americans have enrolled in this so-called SAVE plan. 
and there's more than four million of those borrowers had their monthly payments dropped to zero if they were living paycheck to paycheck below a certain level. First of all, he level. sounds like he's half asleep. This plan is the most one. generous I mean, repayment program. Uh, let's ever stop it. Today. I can't. This is. He sounds like he's on lithium or Valium or maybe both. I don't know. Give the guy some Metamucil and call it a day, all right? Call it a freaking day. I've had a number of conversations with people here at CPAC whether or not Biden's going to be the nominee. And overwhelmingly, people agree with my analysis that Biden is not going to be the nominee. He will be out. He will be pushed out. The other thing is, too, is that I have a poll going on Twitter right now. This is your chance to weigh in on this. This is the only show history right now, so this is your chance if you want to be part of something. We are about to make, Matt DeSantis, the greatest summer blockbuster movie that has ever been made. Another Zioli blockbuster? Yeah, but this one, you know, it came out yesterday that Biden's dog commander bit like 125 Secret Service agents or something. I saw that, yeah. It's It's actually a really big deal because, as Jonathan Turley points out, this is not just a laughing matter. I mean, it's funny, but this is a real problem for workplace safety and for accountability and everything else. But nevertheless, I don't care about all that. I care about making money with my movie. So the question is, and here's the poll on Twitter right now, which movie title do you like better? Now, a buddy of mine in the Philadelphia Police Department pointed out something. Commander is only biting Secret Service agents. So he's only biting cops. So he hates the police. He's a defund the police dog. You've heard of police dogs. He's a defund the police dog. So he obviously got some of Hunter's cocaine or sawdust sniffed it, and started biting people. The question is, which movie title do you like better? Cocaine White House Dog or Defund the Police Dog? All right, your chance to vote right now on Twitter is live. Your chance to weigh in on Zioli Show History. Do you like Cocaine White House Dog or Defund the Police dot, 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 (laughs) dog, exclamation mark? All right, so weigh in on that. uh, I just retweeted it for you. The poll is open. Right now, Cocaine White House Dog has a huge lead over Defund the Police Dog. I voted for Defund the Police Dog. I think that's the better title. And that's how you got to say it. Defund the Police Dog (laughs) That's how you got to say it, right? That's how you got to say it. All right, we got a big show for you live from CPAC. We are on Radio Row. It is the 2024 Conservative Political Action Conference. Great people stopping by. A lot of fun. A lot of inside scoop on the state of the 2024 race. 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Don't go away. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. The Zioli Show. On your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. All right, we are back. We are live at Talk Radio 1210 WPHT live on CPAC Row. 
Radio Row. Thank you for being here today. We got a lot of great stuff going on. We got a lot of good people and uh, a lot of great guests coming up too, including Madame Mercedes Schlapp, who should be stopping by very soon. Some surprises for you. And unpredictability, because CPAC is always unpredictable, and that's the beautiful part about it. 855-839-1210. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli, if you want to weigh in today during the show. Uh, again, the question on the floor is cocaine White House dog or defund the police dot, 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 dog, exclamation mark. You know, like, like this dog is out there to try to defund the police by biting cops. All right, so those are your options for the day, and that's what we got. Uh, the dumbest thing that I've read of my entire life is in today's show prep, and it's titled, Donald Trump's sneaker stunt stole from the black culture he's vilified. It's an actual article, it's an actual opinion piece in the Philadelphia Inquirer today showing you what pure trash that paper really is sometimes. And the tacky gold kicks with red bottoms, which, by the way, sold out, uh, they're now, they're now uh, banging Trump for appropriating black culture. Because I guess, what, only, what uh, only black people wear sneakers? Is that what it is? And in the article, they also write how black people benefited from slavery, uh, some say, and black history is not American history, they argue. I mean, it's all the usual lies that they're saying, all the lies. But you know what they're so upset about? They're so upset that they just cannot bring him down. So now they're going after him for appropriating black culture. I kid you not. What, what that really shows you, though, is what we've been talking about for a long time, which is that Trump is doing better with the black community right now than any Republican has before. And what's even worse for Joe Biden is not even just the fact that Donald Trump's doing really, really well. It's the fact that Joe Biden is doing so badly with the black voters and brown voters, as the media calls them. They may just stay home. They may just stay home and not vote for him. And that's a real problem for, for the Democrats and for Joe Biden. Uh, CBS, the, uh, the company that is part of the corporate media, they fired the one true journalist left of the big three networks, ABC, CBS, and NBC. They fired Catherine Herridge last week. And here's something they did that's even worse and even more vile. They seized her files. And this is getting a ton of blowback, as you can imagine. Over at the Hill, Fox News contributor and George Washington University Law School professor Jonathan Turley dropped a bombshell about this month's layoffs at CBS News. That the network seized the files of Catherine Herridge, who was sadly one of the only correspondents who was actually doing her job as being a reporter and being a journalist. And it's outrageous what happened. It really is. It's outrageous. It's not surprising. It's just outrageous. But CBS officials took the unusual step of seizing her files, computers and records, including information on privileged sources. That's what happened. CBS informed her that it would decide what, if anything, would be done, would be turned over to her, presumably including confidential material from both her stints at Fox and CBS. And this is outrageous, what's happened to Catherine Herridge. But it's not, like I said, it's not surprising. It is, there's Matt right there, if we want to, excuse me, guys, we have a guest coming up here. Pardon us, excuse me. Let's bring in uh, Matt Schlapp here, the man himself. How are you? Matt, how you doing? Rich Zioli, pleasure to see you again. How you been? All right, welcome to the show. Matt, of course, is the man at CPAC. We are on. Here's some headphones for us. So you can drown out the crowd noise in the back. Congratulations on an incredibly successful CPAC. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? It's great. It's awesome. Uh, you know, CPAC has uh, always been uh, in D.C. until they started locking us down and shutting us right. down. And we started going into red states, and everybody really liked that. And then we came back for a couple of years back here at the Gaylord. And I think, you know, 
people know they got to take back their, their capital city, but they just don't love being in these blue areas. And so we were very gratified when the ticket sales were off the charts and we yeah. sold out of all these categories and the rooms are all gone and people are pumped. That's good. I'm glad yeah. to hear that. It's great. And how's Mercedes doing? She's awesome. She's around here somewhere. Good. She might have taken a nap this afternoon, but oh. don't tell anyone, okay? No, just between She's us. She's a little tired. Nobody knows but us. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I think it. she got up at 4 a.m., so she's a I little heard tired. That. Yeah, yeah, I heard she was doing morning hits Yeah, this she was doing morning radio. Yeah. Uh, the theme this year is, among others, smashing globalism. I That's love right. it. That's right. Yeah. Ooh, that would have been faster. <laughs> we said where globalism goes to die. Smashing globalism. See, I always get so discouraged. I guess it's a digital screen. We could change it. Well, I, I mean, where, digital, where globalism goes to die is a good, is a good title. Good I'm too. not trying to take away from it. but You know, we came up with the theme because uh, I was doing TV, and they said, well, what do you think this CPAC is about? And it just kind of came out of my mouth, and then my wife goes, oh, wow, that's a theme. Yeah. And I find that that's what themes should be, something that's just like how you answer an important question. And, um, you know, the conservative movement is interesting. We, we have a lot of language and lingo that we've learned over the years. It doesn't always mean that much to people. And, uh, and it's really important for a guy my age with a lot of white hair to kind of rethink <laughs> what words really impact people. And I think people have come to really hate these globalists. I do, too. And I think we're tired of seeing our money going overseas. Yes. I think we're tired of seeing that as the borders wide open <clears throat> in particular. I really yeah. do. Yeah, I think the... Um, you know, Steve Bannon was at our international summit the other day, and he said, you know, we're not isolationists. We're nationalists. And there, there is a difference. It gets, it gets portrayed as the fact that we don't – it's like a middle finger to the rest of the world. It's not right. Uh, we do more work diplomatically than probably any group does. So. I think uh, Mercedes is, is that Mercedes the right there. There yeah. she is. Hi, Mercy. Hello, Mercedes She's, Schlapp. Uh, Come on. Can you join us? We'd love to have you on. Lap. Say hello. Like, we're doing a joint interview. This is now. Oh, this is great. <laughs> love, we got to get some pictures here, Matt DeSantis. <laughs> Thank you. Hello, Mercedes Schlapp. Hello. How you doing? I'm fine. How, how are was you? Your, how was your afternoon nap? Uh, well, um... I, they told me I had to come down for an interview, but apparently you're here, so you took my place. <laughs> so obviously oh, is this your not, interview? I, yes, I think it said Mercedes Schlapp, but I could be wrong. I demanded both of you, so, oh, you know, I mean, okay. we're Philadelphia, so okay. we get whatever we want, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, come on. Really, yeah, you get also excess votes somewhere along the line. <laughs> yeah, boxes of them. Boxes the, of the them. Dead people do vote in Philadelphia. Uh, it's a tradition every Halloween. Uh, how are we looking for Pennsylvania in 2024, you, you think? Know, you know, I'm worried good? about Pennsylvania. Are you? Uh, I think you have a great candidate in Dave McCormick for the Senate. Mm -hmm. I think you have a perfectly terrible governor. Yep. Um, you know, uh, I was uh, spun up to this idea that maybe Republicans had a chance to win the governor last time. And, you know, we didn't. And the consequences are severe because when we lose these states, they go right after election law first. Have you noticed that? Yep. Why is that? Yep. They do that because they cheat better. They know how to return ballots. I keep saying it for them. It's one ballot, one vote. If a ballot's printed, it gets voted. For us, we believe the person should vote. Mm -hmm. And if the laws continue to be soft and continue to allow this fraud, it's going to be very hard. But I think Dave's got a real shot, and I think Donald Trump has a real shot. But I'm just worried about Pennsylvania generally. You know, almost everywhere we go in Pennsylvania, the people are wonderful. But Gosh, Philadelphia I, and Pittsburgh are rough. I, we did the campaigning for Doug Mastriano back, like, like, is it two years ago? I'm yeah. like so behind the times. It was, uh, and you have this sense of like, Pennsylvania is Republican. I don't get it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, you know, Dr. Oz loses, Mastriano. It was such a horrible defeat. And then yeah. Josh Shapiro is, they have a very tight control there. And what's interesting to watch is Senator Fetterman, he's been actually, you're like, what's going on with him? All of a sudden, he's like, well, I'm pro-Israel, you know? It's something yeah. that you wouldn't Well, I think he came thought. out of his coma or whatever he was in. <laughs> the fog has lifted a little bit. He's 
made sense two it, or three times. But well, what would, if it? What if it's his body double? I mean, the body double, oh, like in the movie Dave, you yeah. know, might have just oh, taken over, that could taken be over it. the policies. Yeah. It's possible, right? Can you imagine Anything being the body double? To, <laughs> wouldn't you rather be the body double to someone that like looks half good? I don't know. That'd be a rough <laughs> now, job. I do have to say though, Philadelphia. It, what I mean with the crime that's there, yeah. you would think that people would wake up and say, "We can't keep going with these Democrat policies," but. They just, the cities seem to be dominating, you know, the well, vote there, well, which is just, it's tough. It's tough for Republicans. The mayor who's elected, Sherelle Parker, uh, Mercedes Schlapp, as you know, I mean, she, she ran on a, a tough on crime platform. She's right. standing with the police. So I think things may be in that capacity changing, but it's the suburbs that scare me because a lot of these suburban voters just don't get it. But I think, you know, the sense that I'm getting from people as I talk to them, is they're really tired of the woke curriculum in schools. Yes. They're, they're tired of all that happening. Parents who might have voted for Biden in 2020 because they didn't like Trump's mean tweets, and now they're paying you know $9 for a dozen eggs. They're like, give me mean tweets, please. I miss mean tweets. I agree. I think, you know, the, the, it's interesting. So whenever I debate a Democrat on the economy, they're like, but the macro, the metrics, it, it all looks so <laughs> great. The macroeconomics. And then all of a sudden it's, no, wait a second, like, I really can't afford to go to the grocery store. It's too much money. Yeah. I can't afford gas. And there's something about the fact, that, and they're very concerned about the instability in the whole globe. And when they look at Joe Biden and that weakness that he portrays, I think they're, again, I prefer the mean tweets. I prefer someone who's going to be tough on Russia, tough on Iran. It's, it's, it, it is a bit of a wake-up wake up call there that we need to do better in Pennsylvania. There is no question that it was a huge disappointment in 2020 and I think the 2022 and I think the big thing will be can Donald Trump rekindle that connection with the people of Pennsylvania? I got the first couple of CPAC with me. Madam Mercedes Schlapp, this is awesome. Thank you guys for coming by. Uh, you know, the media, again, with their nonsense about how Trump is a Russian agent. Don't you think Russia should ask for their money back? Yeah. He's been a terrible, <laughs> I mean, done a terrible job for them, hasn't So he? do you think Putin and Trump got on the phone and said, okay, I think you should be for Biden? Yeah, exactly. I mean, exactly. that's what they're basically telling us. I mean, uh, tr uh, uh, Trump keeps Putin in his box. Right? Right. Doesn't invade anyone. Right. Basically does what we want. Good little puppy. Yeah. Then Biden comes in. He does whatever he wants. Invades his neighbor. You know, and the, these idiots are still saying that somehow Republicans or Trump people are colluding with Russia. Now, here's the part that really kind of pisses me off. And we passed a resolution on it at our international summit. Joe Biden's trying to put his political opponent in prison. Mm -hmm. Just like Putin tries to do. Yep. Just like she does. Mm -hmm. Just like all these despots do. Joe Biden is using the same tactics and then goes out into this favorable media landscape we have here, which isn't really media, and spins this yarn about somehow he is the one who's defending our democracy. Yeah. It's a sham. By the way, our attorney general and our White House counsel is coordinating the effort to run the legal defense for Biden Incorporated and coordinating with these prosecutors in New York and Georgia to put Trump in prison. I mean, it's outrageous that this is happening. We have to stand up and stop it. I think Biden's been the best friend of Vladimir Putin could ever have. I mean, not only did Putin invade Ukraine under Biden's watch, but now with this liquid natural gas export ban, Putin's just going to get richer. That's and, right. I mean, it's crazy, right, Mercedes? That's right. And with, without having talks, uh, having peace talks, um, and really not being able to make the gains that Ukraine should have been making, uh, it's just, you know, literally the blood of young Ukrainian men that are being slaughtered while we're just throwing 
billions of dollars into the hands of Ukraine without a strategy, without yeah. an end game. Yeah. I mean, this is this is outrageous, and it's why I'm glad Republicans have stood strong against um, just continuously just being a piggy bank for Ukraine. I think for Biden, there is no, he has no strategy. He has no strategy on how to deal with Iran. He has no strategy on how to deal with the Russia-Ukraine situation. He basically is like telling Netanyahu, oh, please, please, ceasefire. I mean, come on. It just, he does not represent the best for America, but also in, in helping our allies. Yeah, I agree. And I think that what you guys said, uh, you put it best, too, last night at the International Summit when you said peace through strength. Yes. That's what Reagan envisioned. And, and, and bravo for having a Ronald Reagan dinner Friday night. I think it's going to be great. There's so much optimism here. I noticed that. Oh, we're going to win. Oh, man. We're going to win. Everybody's going to win. I can't great promise mood. Pennsylvania, but we're going to win. <laughs> All right, Match Lap, what if I promise you Pennsylvania? Ooh, okay. I, I, I think in. you know more than me about right. what's going on in Look, your state. I, I campaigned in 2020. I was on that Trump bus. I can't even tell you a thousand times. I felt like I lived in Pennsylvania. Yeah. That was like my second home. And I will. we will do the same. We will campaign for Trump as hard as we can in Pennsylvania. I'm not giving up hope on Pennsylvania. Good. But it means that more uh, Republicans and conservatives need to be part of this fight. And they need to be like, look, talk to your neighbor. Talk to your, you know, churchgoer and be like, talk to your, you know, parent that your kids go to, you know, soccer games together. You know, and explain, guys, we have a country to save. We're going to lose yeah. this to, it's not even the Democrats. It is losing it to communism. Yeah. It is losing it to Marxism. It is losing your ability to basically protect your family. And I think that is such a strong argument. And, I mean, I was talking to some of the national security guys. They are saying how that we are so vulnerable to another terrorist attack with the influx of illegal immigrants, some of them from China. I mean, they're coming from over 100 countries. There will be attacks within the United States. It's just a matter of time. 20,000 Chinese nationals, I think, in the last couple of weeks alone yeah. like, snuck in over the southern border. You know, we just don't really know the number. I mean, and how many kids have we lost? How many kids has the Biden administration lost? Mm -hmm. Lost to trafficking, lost to other We are missing 80, 86,000 children that have crossed the border. Yeah, who, why don't we no talk about No idea where they it. are. Yeah. No idea where we are. And CPAC launched its Center for uh, Combating Human Trafficking. Good. We're working with international partners on this issue because it's, and guess who's a big culprit of it, big tech. I mean, when you have Mark Zuckerberg and all these others that don't put, that don't stop the, all this content coming in of child abuse um, and the sex trafficking, I mean, they have, they're to blame as well. I think you guys are doing great work on that front. It's something we have to talk about. I know there's a lot of speakers here on the issue of human yes. trafficking. And as long as we have this border wide open, I mean, it, we don't we have no idea who's coming in. We have no idea also, too, what they're bringing. I mean, Philadelphia, again, Kensington, the fentanyl crisis, we lose, what, an airline plane full of Americans every single day right. in that's this country right. to fentanyl? Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, the whole idea of the border, I think, alone has opened up a lot of people's minds. I think we can win this race, sadly, because it shouldn't be. It's a tragedy on the border alone because it's affecting all those communities along the border. We were in Arizona. All those border communities are being destroyed in Arizona and in Texas. And, of course, they're shipping these and flying these uh, illegal folks all over the country. We don't have any idea who they are. They don't have any papers. They're not vetted. They could be the worst of people. I know they're not all the worst of people, but many of them could be. Yeah. And we, we have our, our cities are so riddled with crime. We talked about Philly. It's sad what's happening in these cities. Like, why would you even send one person into Philly who you don't know? First of all, they're not a citizen. They don't have a right to be here. Right. And you're going to just send them there for a couple of years while they wait for their court date? And then the Republican answer to that is, oh, let's get them a quicker court date? No. 
The Republican answer should be, we're building the wall, and we're going to have people come through a port of entry, and they can only come in legally, and only come in we can, when we can adjudicate them quickly, and we should go back to remain in Mexico. Yeah, there's executive action that should be taken immediately by, the, by President Biden. And what's happening? President Biden saying, I'm considering it. I'm considering it. And, and the crisis continues to explode. He can't consider it because his White House counsel is too busy running around trying to put <laughs> Trump in jail instead of looking at the laws about the border. Yeah, and I mean, when we were in Nogales, Arizona, there are towns that are being controlled by the drug cartels as we speak. They are raping women. On this side are, of the border, not is, just the Mexican exactly. side. Exactly. And is anyone talking about it? No. No. No one's talking no. about it. Well, we are on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD yes. and the Rich Zioli Show. So I want to thank you both How's for coming. How's the show going? The show's going. We're crushing it, Are man. your ratings crushing good? crushing it. Who's Best. your major competitor? We don't talk about the competitors. We so. don't talk about Bruno. No. Okay. We don't talk about Bruno. I, I, come on, I got that's three kids. Funny. Come on, you know. Oh, that's in Kanto. I don't even consider them competition because they're, that's how much we're beating them by. Good, you know what I mean? Great. And we're heard nationally in the You RCF, have a very so. good voice for radio. Well, I appreciate that. And a face. Yeah. And a face and for a it, face too. Right? You know, I guess so. You know, if you guys, you guys should get me to speak here next year at CPAC. I'm a pretty good speaker, too. I'm just saying. I imagine you, know? you wow. are. Talk about pitching Moderate. right in front of them. Talk I about making them uncomfortable it. right here. It's fine. But I'm glad you came by, Mercedes, because you're a lot more chipper. He's Mr. Doom and Gloom, like, oh, we're going to lose Pennsylvania. Thank God you stopped by. We like, were both kind of like, like bring us up here. You but know you're what right. I, mean? I believed in Dr. Oz. What are you talking about? I thought I loved him. I thought we were going to win it. It didn't happen. Are you talking about the Wizard of Oz Schlapp or Dr. Oz? Which we one? missed Dr. Oz. He disappeared. He's got to come back. You guys got to go. Mercedes Schlapp, Matt Schlapp, thank you both. Great. Congratulations Thanks on a great CPAC. All right. Thank you so much. All right. We are live at CPAC on Radio Row, and we're coming right back on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHD and the audience. We are live from Radio Row at CPAC 2024. It's great to be with you. We got a lot of great guests coming up. We got a big guest coming up a little bit after six o'clock. Uh, the only hint I'll give you is uh, Veep Steaks. Veep Steaks. The only uh, the only hint I'll give you. But um, we have some uh, other surprises in store for you over the course of the next two days. So that's good, and I'm excited and um, glad you're here. I really am, truly am. Glad you're here. It's always fun to be at CPAC. It's always fun to bring this to you live. We're also excited, too, because whenever you're at one of these events, you, you never know who you're going to run into, but you also get a lot of inside scoop on things. And, you know, as I've been talking to people and talking to people from the Trump campaign who are here, I mean, they are, they're just feeling super optimistic. I mean, everybody is feeling incredibly positive. And that, that positivity matters. It really does. It matters a lot because... Without it, you go into something and then you don't feel um, inspired. You don't feel empowered. And then it becomes very difficult, very difficult to actually turn around and, um, you know, bring it, bring it to victory because you need that, that sense of that. Here is um, a, a question that I've gotten, which is, and we talked about this with Greg Price a little bit earlier, the snooping on your devices, digital privacy, how do we deal with that? You know, one of my favorite people is John Stossel. He is a libertarian. He writes for Reason. He used to have a show, on, I think, on Fox News years ago. And he's always bringing stuff to the forefront. John Stossel points out that the government is snooping on your phone. I mean, we get it that all these apps are tracking us, and we understand that, you know, you go on an app and you're kind of taking your life in your own hands. But the government is snooping on your phone. 
And I don't know if you're aware of that or not, and when the efforts that they can take to, to get your data. We talk about TikTok, we talk about China, but what about our own government of the United States of America? And why it matters and why it's problematic, and I've told you before, it's because our weaponized government is constantly looking at you as the potential terrorist, and so that's what we're talking about here. So here's John Stossel. He was sitting down with Naomi Brockwell, a privacy specialist, advising people on how to protect their privacy Cut number four. Did you know that through the apps on your phone, government spies on us? You shouldn't worry about that, says privacy advocate Naomi Brockwell. When you downloaded this app, you gave the app permission to access your camera. In this previous video, Brockwell told me, I've foolishly given up my privacy to tech companies and the government. You've probably given location permission. You've given microphone permission. In that short video, I didn't have time to include some of her good points. Let me have a look at your phone. I want to see what, what apps you have on your phone. What she saw made her say... If I were you, I would delete almost all of these apps. First of all, because... I like them. I know you like them, but you're taking your phone around with you everywhere you go. It's an intensely personal device that sees where you're going. It sees every person that's in the room with you, every person you've connected with. It has a microphone, a what camera. What should I delete? Right off the bat, Google Chrome. This is a terrible app for privacy. Google Chrome is notorious for just collecting every single thing that they can about you. Chrome is a browser, which means it's kind of like your gateway to the internet. Yeah, I like that. Well, you like having a gateway to the internet, but do you like all of that information being collected and then broadcast to thousands of different companies? Because Google is not really a search engine, the same way that we used to think of it as like, Google, we can search the web. It's an advertising company. So Chrome is collecting every single thing that it can about you, and it is broadcasting that to thousands of people to see like, who wants to bid on the opportunity to you know, be in front of this man here. Google is auctioning off your eyeballs, essentially, to advertisers, but it's not just advertisers who are collecting this information. There are thousands of shell companies, of shady companies, of data brokers who are also collecting it and in turn selling it. So the run-on effect from using something like Chrome is huge because it means that so many people then get access to your data. I'll delete it. You don't need it. And in addition to that, of course, the government's buying that data. All right, we got a lot more to come live from CPAC. Let's talk about my friends at McCaws and Lock Service. They're proud to once again support Radiothon. As a family-owned business for over 100 years, Tom, Chrissy, and the entire team understand how important it is to support a great cause like the Travis Madden Foundation. If you've lost your car keys or your key fob is broken, you've got to call McCall's and Lock Service. They are the experts you need to repair, replace, reprogram original factory remotes, transponder keys, chip keys, and more. In addition to major makes, they can also help you with various BMW, Mercedes, Volkswagen, and Audi vehicles. They can help you while you wait. The best part is they charge up to 50% below what you'd pay at a dealer. They are a full-service locksmith and available for whatever you need. They are dedicated to delivering superior customer service. So call McCaws and Lock Service today at 610-430-1500. Ask to talk to Tom or Chrissy about how they can help you. That's 610-430-1500 or visit them. They're conveniently located on Route 420 in Prospect Park, PA. McCausland Lock Service. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. WOGL HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be brief.
Radio Row, and uh, it's great to be here. It's so much fun. There's so much energy here. Everybody's having a good time. We're meeting some listeners. We're meeting some Zioli Army members who just stopped by. Dave and Beverly. No, I forgot their last name. It was like two seconds ago. Do you remember? You're supposed to pay attention to this stuff. Did you pay? Uh, it was it was Bukta. Bukta, yes. Dave and Beverly Bukta from Chester County. Yes. So that's great. And uh, my man. Dustin from Phillipsburg, New Jersey. I met him last night as the only Army member from the northern part of, uh, of the state. So good to, good to run into him last night. It's great to see our friends and great to reconnect and great to bring this to you live. Big guest coming up uh, later in the show. Secret. Can't tell you who. But uh, it's a big get, so we're excited for that. And we have some other potentials stopping by as well. Uh, 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Meg Brock's going to stop by. Meg spoke here at CPAC. She, of course, is the Bucks County mom who has become super famous for standing up for our kids and the rights of parents in schools. And so I'm excited to have that conversation with her. But, you know, the censorship that we talk about all the time is not just, it's not, we're not making this up. This is real. The censorship industrial complex. Michael Schellenberger's done a great job exposing all this. Matt Taibbi's done a great job exposing all this. There is a lot of it happening in this country. And the reason why is because if you start pushing back on the, the intelligentsia, if you start pushing back on the people that control the narrative, they don't like it and they want to shut you down. Like for example, I'll give you a great example on this. You think about the stuff with Joe Biden and you think about the stuff with his brother James and you think about what is at the heart of this Biden crime family corruption. The media last night completely dismissing anything that James Biden, you know, he was there to clear his brother. James Biden has done nothing. James Biden's hurting the case, all this other stuff. James Biden is a guy who is a man who's made money off of his brother's name. That's the bottom line. He's made money off of his brother's name. It's helped him open doors. And that alone is huge. Now, whether or not it got back to Joe Biden, of course, is the question. If the Justice Department was actually able to investigate this, the people that are trained as forensic investigators who could get to the heart of this, they'd be able to find the answers to that. But, of course, what happened? The Department of Justice shut that down. That's why you had the IRS whistleblowers come forward. And what do the IRS whistleblowers tell us? The IRS whistleblowers tell, told us that the money is all there through shell corporations, through money laundering. And that's how guys like this get away with it all these years. They wind up having the money go through various different means so you can't track it down. But a good forensic investigator can figure all this stuff out. So what happens? The media immediately dismisses anything that James Bryden had to say as just shutting down the Republicans and shutting down their case. And they all go with that. They all parrot that. And none of it, none of it is ever something that they actually will do investigative journalism about. And that's why citizen journalism is so important. But you know what? When a local girl does good, we want to bring it live to you. 
And Meg Brock is here. She spoke at CPAC today. She is the local Philadelphia area Bucks County mom who made national news just for fighting for the rights of her kids. Meg Brock, congratulations on your speaking role at CPAC. Hey, thank you so much. Thanks for having me, and thanks for all you do. How was it? Was it fun to speak? Yeah, I was, I was pretty nervous. I've never done anything like this before. I've never been to CPAC, um, so I was a little nervous. But... I was very honored to be on the panel that I, I was on. Um, I was with Dr. Uh, Aton Heim, who is a whistleblower uh, from Texas. He blew the whistle on some of the procedures that were happening to children there, and it was really great to be there. Now, what got you started in all of this? Well, I mean, it really goes back to March 13, 2020, when I turned on the TV, and there's, Friday the 13th. there's Dr. Rachel Levin. I think it was the 13th, but Dr. Rachel Levin telling me that, you know, my kids can't go to school, I yep. can't run my business, and, you know, all those things. I need to wear a mask outside in the middle of July. I mean, that came later, but I was just a, I would say, a normie mom who knew, knew this was wrong. Um, and my motivation, I mean, remember when COVID happened, aside from all the things that, the obvious things that were wrong with what, what, what they were doing, my thought was always, what about all the kids who are in bad situations, yeah. being locked at home with their abusers. <laughs> and how come no one is talking about this or talking about these kids? And that kind of is what really got me started on this journey of uh, trying to hold local officials accountable, trying to, get, trying to get answers, and trying to just make the world a better place for our kids. I mean, you got attacked by the government locally and also nationally, too. I mean, you're one of the reasons why, you know, parents were called domestic violent extremists and the FBI had to be watching in the back of school board meetings. And in Bucks County, I mean, you, you battled these people, and they battled you. They're still battling me. I'm still in Commonwealth Court. I mean, for those who don't know, uh, the Bucks County commissioners filed five lawsuits against myself, two against another mom, uh, over public records. And a judge actually ruled that they had acted in bad faith, which is quite a significant ruling. It's hard to get that ruling. They're not issued lightly. And the county is appeal currently appealing that ruling in Commonwealth Court. So we'll see. Hopefully it's wrapped up soon. I hope that it, when I'm, I'm hoping, though, I don't see how that's going to get overturned. I mean, I'm not a lawyer, but I hope that they will not continue taking it on. It's pretty... It's pretty crazy. It's been a wild ride. The data you exposed, though, is that they knew that COVID was not bad for our kids. They knew the masks were ineffective. They knew that the shutting down schools was unnecessary. You brought all that to light. I mean, you worked to bring all that to light for us. Yeah, I mean, what happened is, you know, we remember Dr. Damsker in Bucks County, who was, since June 2020, was trying to keep kids in school. And unfortunately, the teachers unions did not like that. Uh, the government did not like that. He issued guidance in, the, in August 2021 that was going to send all the kids back to school without needing a, max, a vaccine or a mask. And unfortunately, that kind of collided head first with the program that Governor Wolf was rolling out that was being directed nationally from the Biden administration. And they wanted kids to get vaccinated for COVID. And a lot of parents, I mean, myself included, we all said, wait a second, we got to slow this down here because there's data coming out of Europe and Israel that this is not good for kids. I, mean, I remember at the time I had Dr. Nicole Sapphire on and she said, we need to slow this train down here because this is this is bad. And now, you know, we're, we're learning all this now. I mean, everything we thought back then is, is coming to light. But we were called crazy people and conspiracy theorists. We wanted teachers to die. We, you know, we wanted kids to die. I mean, the stuff that we've been called, the names that you've been called, Meg Brock, mm -hmm. I mean. Yeah, I mean, I re remember finding emails from that time, from August 2021, from the Biden administration, where they were actually suggesting that schools use youth sports 
to basically coerce vaccination. They were saying that they found it, you know, one of the things that was happening, if you remember, was, well, if you got vaccinated and you're exposed, you only have to stay home for three days or instead of 10. And this was devastating to kids, especially to athletes. You think about these high school athletes who put so much time and energy and they want to play their sport. And there are actual emails showing they wanted to use the fear of children, of athletes, high school athletes, not being able to use to play sports to coerce them to be vaccinated, to do something that maybe they didn't want to do. And you think about just the principle of that, regardless of your thoughts on the COVID vaccine. That's a very scary principle to be operating under. It's terrifying when you have to have people coerced into doing something they don't want to do or, to, or, or do something to their children that they don't want to do. And it's, it's, it's dangerous, it's scary, and it's also so antithetical to the concept of freedom. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, so many kids, we're talking about depression among kids right now. I mean, I did a topic on this yesterday. What's at the cause of it? And I love all these people blaming social media. I'm not saying it doesn't have a role, but we put our kids on screens starting in 2020. And I mean, we kind of created this addiction in a lot of ways, don't you think? Absolutely. I mean, I remember specifically in the summer of 2021 when I started, when I first went to a Bucks County Commissioner meeting, it was because I was getting all these emails uh, and DMs from parents who had teenagers who were severely depressed, some of them who were requiring hospitalization, but there were no beds. There were no mental health beds. Everything was full because we took away everything during a time of adolescence where a child needs to be making, you know, developmentally appropriate steps towards independence, where social ties are so important, where activities are so important. We took all of that away from kids, and we left parents who felt helpless because they didn't want us publicly talk about their child struggling with mental health issues because they wanted to protect their child, but they had no one to go to. And of course, now we're, we're reaping what we sow. We sow to the world, sow to the whirlwind, reap the, or sow to the wind, reap the whirlwind, right? Yeah. And that's what we're, I think that's what we're seeing right now. But you know, Meg, I mean, you, you fought the good fight and they, and you got attacked. And I know there's so many people that agree with you and agree with me, but they're afraid. They're afraid to speak out because of the um, enormous pressure to cancel people. Mm-hmm. to get them in trouble. You know, when I think the whole purpose of that Department of Justice letter was just to, to keep people intimidated to not go to school board meetings and speak out. I never thought the FBI was really going to come to a school board meeting, but just the thought of, oh, I could be, I could be, you know, a big black SUV could show up in front of my house or something like that is enough to make people try to be quiet and they didn't want to lose their jobs. And so we need people like you who are brave enough to do it for the rest of everybody else. And so it's incredibly important, but you took a lot of slings and arrows doing it. Yeah, but I think, I mean, I think to your point, I, I really believe, you know, we have a presidential election coming up and people put a lot of pressure and talk about that. But I think what would actually really transform this this country in a much more significant way is if maybe 10 percent or 15 percent of people just really took this idea of self-governance seriously. Yeah. Really understood, wow, it's such a privilege to live in a country where you have the constitutional right to exert certain, certain powers as, as a citizen. And it's a right that so many people in this world and throughout time and history have never experienced. And yet, you know, we have all of this apathy of people who don't want to do anything, mm-hmm. even as, as things are just going <laughs> so chaotically. Uh, but I would tell everyone, get involved. Don't be apathetic. Don't be afraid. Because ultimately, what we're fighting for is the future of our children and our grandchildren. And you think, what if we come down to 30 years and we don't know where we're going to be or what things are going to look like? But I think those of us who have spoken up and who have lived by our convictions will always be able to look ourselves in the mirror and know that, you know what, we didn't just roll over and succumb to all of these things. What are the biggest challenges you think as parents we got to face coming up? I mean, I think 
One of the hardest things I know as a parent is that you just have to be so involved with everything. I feel like I think about my growing up in like the 80s and 90s where, you know, my parents are just like, sure, go watch this or sure, go over to that friend's house. And, you know, now we have smartphones. We have to navigate, okay, how are we going to navigate that? You know, how are we going to keep the the internet safe or, or keep our kids away from the internet and endure the pressure, the social pressure of that? You have to watch what's going on in their their cartoons. I mean, cartoons for kids through or three have gender identity in it. I it mean, wasn't that like a transgender ox or something in a, in a, a kid's cr- show? Do you remember that? Wasn't it like it was like Billy the Transgender Ox or something? Some stupid kid show on Netflix, I, think I remember. there was too, like a Blue's Clues, like Pride Parade. Yeah. I mean, it's just... It's they a, wanted to cancel Paw Patrol because it was pro, pro police. You remember that? It's that was crazy. A- <laughs> I mean, so you think about all these things as parents, you have to really be so aware um, and then on top of it, you know, you need to be involved. You need to be involved in your community. You need to be involved in your school board. Um, you need to do everything you can to protect your kids, but also to make a, a world where they can live in. Because if we don't do that, then what are we going to tell them in 15, 20 years? And Meg Brock, you've also exposed a lot about the transgender stuff in terms of what local hospitals are doing, what um, Rachel Levine, you mentioned her, I mean, him, but you, you mentioned, you know, I mean, you bring all this stuff up. There's a lot of very dangerous stuff out there Mm -hmm. motivated by a gigantic, enormous industry targeting our children with sex, you know, puberty drugs that are not FDA approved and um, sex surgeries, reassignment surgeries for kids. I mean, it's a real issue. And it's not something, again, we can just dismiss as conspiracy theory. Like, no, this is actually really happening. Yeah, I mean, for example, there was was a regulation proposed uh, by the Biden administration on Title IX where they want to basically change Title IX to include, quote-unquote, transgender kids. And that is, there's, you know, rumors that that might actually go into effect soon. And if it does, it means any school that takes federal funds is possibly going to be compelled to let males into girls' sports. Right. I mean... And locker rooms. And locker and rooms and private spaces and, yep. and all of that. I mean, we have... In, recently, there's been a couple uh, of kind of parent stories that have come out about their kids taken away from them because they wouldn't uh, quote-unquote affirm their child's quote-unquote transgender right <laughs> you know orientation if you will and so i mean i think that if people maybe they ha- think they're not being touched by this issue but they are and it's just a matter of time until they're directly impacted if they're not aware and if they're not pushing back on it may brock do you think that uh cocaine white house dogs or Defund the police dog, exclamation mark, is a better movie title for the commander who bit all the Secret Service agents. Because this is my movie I'm coming out with in the summer. Can you repeat the first one again? All right, again? so the first one is Cocaine White House Dog. That, that's got a good ring to you it. You like that? I'm going to go with that one. Because the only bit cops, defund the police, dot, 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 dog, exclamation mark. I'm going to go with the first You're one. You're still going with Cocaine White House Dog. It I seems guess, to be the clear winner. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like maybe you can throw Hunter <laughs> Biden into that one somehow. Maybe give him a supporting role. I don't know. I mean, it was probably his cocaine, the dog sniff. Sky's the the dog is the victim here. Remember, they had that cocaine at the White House. It wasn't his fault. Yeah, he's yeah. a dog. He sniffs things. You know, yeah, I mean, dogs what are you don't know. Do? And Joe Biden sniffs too, but that's hair. Yeah. That's different. Uh, that's the fight for um, for entertainment, though. I mean, we joke around about it, but it's not easy. Like finding good stuff for your kids to be mm-hmm. able to watch as a family and and know that you're not going to have your kids be indoctrinated. And um, at the same time, like we love family movie night in our house. You mm-hmm. know, so we're trying. We we watch a lot of the stuff we grew up with. Like we we've, we've watched Goonies. We've watched uh, a lot of those uh, Ghostbusters and stuff. 
But I worry about a lot of the new stuff that comes out. I really do. Yeah, I mean, plus two, I think one of the things that we talk about, because we also, we love Family Movie Night. We recently watched Choosers, which I like, love. Oh, that's definitely one of the best for the kids. Yeah. But I was thinking how, you know, it's just such a nice story about a normal person having some challenges, you know, finding love, Mm -hmm. having success. And my husband and I were actually recently talking about how you don't find just these nice stories that are uplifting. It's everything is so serious and so yeah. dark. And, you know, when you find a good movie, you want to share it because it's uh, Invincible it's about yes. Vince Papali, our man, our buddy, who's probably listening right now. That's a great one, even though Disney owns it, but still. I'm waiting for, I got to get my, when it's my turn to pick family movie night soon, I think I'm going to make my kids watch Rudy. Oh, Sean Austin at his you finest. You got to do it. Yeah. I mean, if you, You're five foot nothing, yeah. a hundred and nothing. That's a great one. I love Rudy. It's one of my favorites. What about Miracle? Have you watched that with the kids? I don't think I've watched that That's one. about the 1980 hockey game where the Americans beat the Russians in Lake Placid. That's a big one. one. Yeah, that's a good one, too. And um, The Sandlot. Oh, today's the anniversary? Henry just came in my ear. I don't know if you could hear that creepy voice in your ear. It sounded like Lurch from um, Henry's back in the studio. So today's the anniversary of The Miracle on Ice? Oh, wow. Yeah, 44th anniversary. Wow. Better watch it. This is the weekend for it. You see that? The Sandlot, we've already watched that many times. Uh, That is one of my absolute favorites. But I think you're right. It's also about teaching kids that they can succeed. Because there's a lot of, I don't know, a sense out there of doom and gloom. Mm -hmm. And there's, a, um, I think, an industry that preys on that. I mean, Ozempic, for example, for 12-year-olds. You know, we're through, NBC News ran a whole segment about giving kids weight. Listen, I was a fat kid, Meg Brock. I wore the husky jeans. You laugh, but I know it's hard to believe that with this physique that I have now, this Adonis-like body, but I was a chubby kid. Mama Zioli would give me jello pudding pies. Not pops, pies. They were, they were like a, a pie shell with pudding inside it. I was the husky kid, but back then you could bully, and so my friends would make fat jokes, and I wanted to lose the weight. You can't do that anymore now, so no kid knows they're fat. But really, but we're putting kids on what? Weight loss drugs at 12 years old? When we were kids, it was get outside and play and go work it off, Tubby. You know, now it's, well, we got to give you a shot. And that really bothers me. It does. No, I mean, I think, I mean, there's so many issues with that. We have kids who are just playing on screens all day. We have youth sports that have been taken over by, I don't know, people, everyone thinks they're training for the the National League championship. Yeah, some of these parents need to chill Instead out. Instead of just right? like, hey, can I, I mean, I'm going through it now, my son's 10 and with baseball. I'm like, I just, I want him to have fun and yeah. play, play baseball because baseball's fun. I don't really need him training for the majors right now, but he's not playing for the Phillies. All right, so let's stop. It's hard when you know a lot of parents. I mean, there's there's a lot of research even out there showing that kids will are more likely to get overuse injuries. But yeah, it's just this whole our whole society has gotten so serious. Uh, it's it's it's. And don't you think uh, parents have to chill out at some of these games? Um, I mean, like relax. Yeah, I mean, right? I played little league softball. I went to the little league World Series. I was a pitcher, so I understand like competition and working hard. But I also. I don't know. I didn't really do that till I was maybe in like eighth grade, eighth, ninth grade when I started to get a, a bit more serious. Up yeah. Until then, it was just fun, play all the sports, have a great time, learn about teamwork, learn about discipline. I mean, those are what make these sports so wonderful. Mm-hmm. It just makes me sad when I see kids who just get discouraged because they're not training 24-7 and then they miss out on all the, the great benefits. And we talk about childhood obesity. I mean, we need kids to be more active. So we really need more recreational sports, more encouragement for kids to get involved, not less. And I think, too, to the point about uh, transgender issues in women's sports, I talked to two moms recently who were both, I'd say, much more center-left, right? And when the issue came up of biological men in swimming, they were both 
adamant that it's just wrong. You know, these little these girls practice so hard, they work so hard to get there, and then to, to lose out to a biological man, it's just wrong. And we have to say it, and I, and I know that the overwhelming majority agrees with us on that. They're just afraid to say it because they think that, I mean, corporate America pushes this idea that that's perfectly normal. But to your point earlier, Meg Brock, we should not be afraid to speak out because people agree with us on this. Absolutely. I mean, we're seeing empathy be weaponized, really, is what it is. You'll, you'll say, wait, my daughter worked really hard. I think she should be able to come in first. And you'll have some, oh, well, you know, it's only, what about this kid? And it's like, no. No, we have limitations in life. Yeah. We have, like, hard lines. Like, there are men and there are women. Yeah. And how about all of these girls? And it's not even just about them having the chance to have their hard work rewarded, which is absolutely important. What about their safety? I mean, there was a video this week about a girl who got, like, really harmed playing basketball. I mean, I think about my daughter playing softball. They have to wear those, I don't know if you have this face mask. They have, like, these in in infield face masks they have to wear now to protect like if the ball comes really fast at their faces and I think about well what if a boy is right. batting you know I was a pitcher what if you're 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 having to pitch against some huge dude and he whacks a <laughs> softball into your face right. I mean it's not safe like it's crazy and also sorority houses there's still that lawsuit where the the sorority sisters are all saying we don't want this dude living in our house I mean the guy's walking around he's you know he's sporting his schlong I mean like in the shower he's sport- <laughs> I mean you know it's I I can't even describe it for you, but imagine it like the guy can't stand up. It's what I'm talking about, all right? The women don't need to be exposed to that in a sorority house. This is supposed to be their home. They're supposed to live there. And what about the safety of women? I mean, I was recently shopping, and there was a in a store where they've gotten rid of, like, the male and female dressing rooms. And, you know, it's like towards the end of the night, you're walking in there, and I think, well, what am I going to do if there's some dude... In a, in a dressing room. That's what room. I do. I hang out in dressing rooms just waiting <laughs> for my chance. Well, I know, but we joke. But, I mean, there's women who've been raped in bathrooms. I know. Like, you know, it, it's not it's not safe. There's a reason that we have these distinctions. And the reality is that men are biologically stronger. Their bodies are different than women. And I, it just boggles my mind that we're willing to put a generation of girls in, in harm's way. That after, especially with the sports, you think of how many decades it took for women to get to a place where they could compete, where they had opportunities. And now we're just expected to say, well, you know, some guy thinks he's pretty. He gets to he gets to have our opportunity. He gets to take this opportunity from my daughter. I mean, for me, I'm like, hell no, no way. This is this is a line. And I hope I hope men and women will, will work to stand against this because our girls deserve better than that. And who are we if we don't protect our girls, right? Protect our boys, too. but Yeah, protect our kids. We have to. And one more point on that, which is protect me as a parent shopping because I need gender toys. I need to know which aisle I'm going in. If I've got to buy a present because Claire's going to a birthday party, I need I, save me time by letting me go to the princess aisle. Please do not make these things ungendered or whatever the nonsense is. Girls like girl toys. Boys like boy toys. It, you know, I mean, just make it easy for right. me. It's not that complicated. No, it's not. It's not. Yeah, I mean, I, I it's my, I don't know. But the gender-neutral toy aisle has made my shopping experience, <laughs> it's added 20 minutes to it. I just say with the girls, at least now for my daughter, anything that's crafty. Just go with sparkles, unicorns, crafty, 
Can't my daughter wrong. loves rainbows, and I keep telling everybody, it's not a, she's not sending a message. I, in June, I won't let her wear it. I just tell her. I'm like, I don't want you to think you're, you're a billboard. No, you laugh, Matt DeSantis, but in June, she's not allowed. I'm just like, because everybody's doing it. I want you to stand out. Uh, Meg Brock, congrats on your speaking role Great, at CPAC. I'm proud of you, buddy. Thank you so much for job. all you do. I mean, I really appreciate the opportunities you, you gave me and others in local media to share my story. I know I wouldn't be here today without that, so well, thank you, you so much. Well, you wouldn't have gone on Tucker Carlson without me, let's be honest. Okay, yeah. I don't. I mean, like, I've never really been on Tucker oh, Carlson. You weren't well, he, no. he talked about you once. Oh, we I talked remember. about a FOIA. I did. Yeah, yeah, he did. He did. Yeah. That's true. That's only because of this show. That's, that's I mean, absolutely so, right. You know, we Correct. take credit for that. So yeah. it's all right. I'll have to buy you dinner for that. Yeah. <laughs> Done. Thanks. Meg Brock, always great to see you, my friend. Great to Thank see you. Thank you so much. Enjoy Thank the rest you. of ZPAC. You too. All right. Uh, as we continue live here on Radio Row, our big story of the day today is, of course, bringing you all this incredible conservative content. Thanks to our buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com, V-A-N-A-R-I-A, VenariaDental.com. My buddy, my friend and the master of dental implants. Also want to thank my great friend Judith Krupnik. I just got an email from her a short time ago about a Zioli Army member who went to Cherry Hill Volvo and said, uh, because he heard, he heard the ad, and Judith sent me a note thanking me because he listened to my spot and he went to Cherry Hill Volvo. I appreciate that. I really do. We broadcast live from the Cherry Hill Volvo studios. Obviously, right now we're at CPAC, but when we're in studio or even the Zioli Home Studio. It is the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios. And that's because Judith stands with us in this age of cancel culture. She stands with us, and that means a lot. It really does, because you know everybody's coming after us these days. So you got to support the people that stand with us. And here's something for you, and this is an incredible opportunity. Volvos are great cars. They're beautiful cars. They're fast, and they're safe, and they are wonderful cars to drive. They are absolutely the latest technology, great for your family, safe for your family. We drive the XC90, for example, which is the family car, third row. Oh, it's fantastic. It will get you and your family there nice and safe. But how about this? The S-Class, the sedan made right here in the United States of America. The S60 is a beautiful car, and it could be yours at Cherry Hill Volvo for less than $29,000. And it has less than 5,000 miles on it. It's a Cherry Hill Volvo courtesy car, and then you can drive away with it today. Just go see them on Route 70 in Cherry Hill. Whether you want an SUV or the S-Class, or you want to go with a lease, the Care by Volvo lease program, which is incredible. It's what I take advantage of. Every five months, you're able to drive a new Volvo. So go see them today. Cherry Hill Volvo on Route 70 in Cherry Hill is where relationships matter. They prove that every single day. And I'm so grateful for their tremendous support. Cherry Hill Volvo, where relationships matter. The Zioli Show, on your schedule. From Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. So it's always fun at CPAC when you see really important people who are also people you really, really like. And my next guest is exactly that person. Roma Duravi is there. Roma, how do I say this? I mean, you got me the interview with President Trump in the White House. It was all you. So without you, I would not have had that moment of glory in the Oval Office. I mean, come on. Well, without you, we wouldn't have had that moment. I mean, it is Thank you. so... No, seriously, it's very important that we talk to the people in Philadelphia, that President Trump is getting his message out to Pennsylvania because it's it not only is it an important state, but it is so diverse. It really does show the different thought that you can see across the nation. So we're happy to do it. And and we'll be back in just about a year. I know. And you're going to be communications director and I'm going to be excited because <laughs> I'll be calling you all the time. Uh, I, my phone is on for you always. Uh, your official title in the White House was? Deputy Strategic Communications Director. 
But uh, it was very cool being in the West Wing with you that day. It was a lot of fun. It was a great. That was for the uh, United. That was for the uh, USMC trade agreement. USMCA. Yes. Yeah, we did the a radio US, row. Mexico, Canada. In case people don't keep up with their trade agreements down in Philadelphia, the U.S.-Mexico-Canada trade agreement that was signed by President Trump uh, is a very huge deal, and actually, it's something that Joe Biden is trying to take credit for today. Yeah. Of course, he wants to point at Donald Trump and say this is the man that ruined America, but he also wants to take credit for all of the good work that President Trump did, right. which is all of it, as we know. Uh, that agreement, actually, there was a. Uh, uh, just a piece that came out recently that shows that Mexico is exporting more than China for the first time in decades. That is huge. That proves that the China tariffs that Trump put on work. You have to hit them where it hurts. If you want a country like China, if you want Xi Jinping to pay attention and behave and not attack America and not go after our farmers and not go after us with COVID, you know, all of these things, you got to hit them where it hurts. And countries like China, countries in the Middle East, they understand that money talks. And President Trump, as a former businessman, he understands that very well. Roma, you are still very plugged into Trump world. I know that. We all know that. So first of all, give me your uh, your view on Pennsylvania. Let's talk about it, because I think we can win. I really do. I feel confident. I feel good. I know that uh, the former president will be on the show again, thanks yes. to you. And I know that we'll, <clears throat> we'll, we'll bring it home for him again. Do you feel confident? I do. I do. I feel very confident about Pennsylvania. You know, there's been a few really tough races, but um, there's still a lot of work being done, and there's a, a big number of um, Democrats that are actually flipping to Republicans in counties like Bucks County. You know, we're about 22, 2,500 votes from flipping that county from blue to red. Mm -hmm. um, these are a really big deal, right? Yeah. You know, if we can get a county here and a county there, next thing you know, we won the state. So, you know, President Trump is paying a lot of close attention to South Carolina right now. He's got multiple events happening there mm -hmm. this week. He's, of course, going to fly up here to D.C. to come attend CPAC, the biggest conservative political action conference that you have in the nation. It's very important um, not only that he come here, but that the swamp sees him come here. You know, one of the biggest uh, things that the mainstream media loved to talk about uh, when we left the White House was, ooh, Trump hasn't been back to D.C. He must be scared. No, <laughs> he's not scared. He's sick of you guys. And he finally gets a break from it. My goodness. So, you know, the man earned a, t a little bit of time down in Florida, but he's on the road. I am sure he will be in Pennsylvania very soon. He loves that state cares about it very much. Um, you know, unfortunately, I think crime has really become a very large issue in mm -hmm. Pennsylvania. Um, there are so many reasons why that's happening. You, you could point to uh, the way that the schools are running and, and what they're teaching our children these days. You could point to the lack of faith that is uh, being driven out of our communities. You know, during COVID, they tried to shut down our churches and our schools, two things that are critical to the future of America, um, something that President Trump talked about repeatedly. So, you know, I, I think the people of Philadelphia know firsthand what that can look like when, when war, civil war, really breaks out in a way that hits the communities and, and lasts for a very long time. Yep. Um, so uh, the only way 
and this gives me hope. I don't really like that word because it reminds me of Obama. But we, we, <laughs> I know. We, we no, we are not going to give that we word to him, Roma. We We're not there. doing that. No way. <laughs> but it does, it does give me hope because we have strong leadership in President Trump, and we have a very clear juxtaposition of that with weak leadership in Joe Biden. It shows on the world stage they're taking advantage of that weakness mm -hmm. all over the world today. Roma Jaravi, we're also talking about a wide open border. I mean, it's insane. It's an absolutely an invasion that's happening right now. And I know that this issue is affecting everybody. I mean, every, every place is a border state. I'll give you a great example in Pennsylvania. I mean, John Fetterman is talking about the border. He's talking about immigration. He's talking about the fact that we have a, a, a people that, you know, the size of Pittsburgh every day mm -hmm. coming into this country. It's a real problem. And people look at Biden as completely ineffective. They know. They don't believe this idea that he can't do anything. They know he can do something because he undid what Trump did on day one. He undid everything that President Trump did to keep the border secure. He did. And, you know, what's funny is that now, recently, this week, he's floated this idea of, ooh, I might sign an executive order. I'm thinking about signing an executive order because the Republicans on the Hill, they're just not doing it. They're not doing what we need to secure the border. Um, no, sir, Mr. President. Let's be honest with the American people. Let's let's speak truth to power right now and tell him you cannot say that to the American people. It is not fair to them for you to lie like that because he went in, he immediately stopped construction of the border wall, he immediately reversed the remain in Mexico policy, and now he's floating this idea of an executive order that would require people coming illegally to go back unless they come through a port of entry. First of all, he's not going to do it. And even if he did, it would be pen on paper that is so completely meaningless you could shred it immediately. Mm -hmm. Why? Because of the weak leadership. You talk to any ICE agent, any border control agent, you know, a, a friend of mine, Myra Flores, who's down there running a campaign in Texas, her husband is a border agent. She goes home and she hears stories from him on the border every day. They are completely overrun because they don't have someone enforcing the law. The laws are on the books. And President Trump put additional resources down at the border. None of that is being enforced today. So, yeah. you know, if you look at the facts, numbers don't lie. They can say whatever they want at the White House. They can, you know, have the mainstream media peddling a narrative for them. But the numbers don't lie. And Joe Biden has had 7.2 million million illegal immigrants come across our southern border since he stepped into the White House. That number is larger than 36 states' population in America. Not combined, but individually. There are 36 states in America that have a smaller population than the amount of illegal immigrants that have come into this country. That should not only infuriate you, but it should scare you. Not only for the safety of your communities, you know, God knows who these people are. We have no way of running a background check on them. We're handing out debit cards to them in New York City with $10,000 on it. I know a few veterans that would love to get a debit sure. card with $10,000 on it. Why don't we take care of our own homeless? Why don't we take care of our own overrun communities? You know, Obama hasn't been back to Chicago because he doesn't want to have ownership over the terrible city that is 
the way that that city is run, there's a reason that he won't go back there. He does not want to have to own the disaster. And so... Well, that and he gets lost in his mansion in Martha's Vineyard. I mean, let's face it. It's a big house. That or Hawaii. I don't know. <laughs> Send him to the island. I love it there. But at least, at least just put him out on a deserted island. All right. Well, since you were one of Trump's top communications advisors, I got to ask you two questions. Number one is this. I always hear he's a dictator in the media. They keep saying that. But he left the White House. Now, dictators typically don't leave. That's the thing. So how can you be a dictator if you leave? I don't, I don't get that point. Yeah, it, it, comparing President Trump to a dictator is, is ridiculous. <laughs> that man, not only is he not a dictator, but he is such a powerful CEO. I'll call him that. Right. He's a businessman. He loves having a plethora of advisors around him. He loves hearing a dynamic, um, you know, array of people giving him advice on the same topic, different topics, doesn't matter. You know, the mainstream media had this narrative that, you know, Trump has terrible advisors. They're all giving him different um, different opinions on what he needs to be doing, whether it be foreign policy or the border or the economy. And I'm like, wouldn't you want that? Wouldn't you want to trust your president, give him advice, and then have him make the final call? You don't want somebody that's just going to be a, a yes man in your ear telling you exactly what you want to hear. He is not like that. Um, he is very intuitive. He is always listening. And he listens to the American people. That's why he fought so hard in 2020, because the American people, he was not, he was sitting in the White House. He was not at the polling sites across the country. And he heard from the American people that they saw things that went wrong, that you know, I, I had a friend of mine who, a veteran, her brother was deployed. Their their unit was moved. They were not able to vote from overseas, yet he checked his voter history, and it says he voted in the election. So, you know, President Trump goes to bat for the silent majority. He goes to bat for the forgotten American. And, um, you know, he is a he's a papa bear, right? He's going to protect his young and the American people are who he's protecting at the end of the day. Um, if you look at what Joe Biden has done to this country, not only is he weak and not only is he making poor policy decisions, but he has portrayed America no longer as the world leader, which is really disheartening. And so, you know, three years, four years, that's one thing. We cannot take four more years of this. Oh, no, we won't survive. I mean, we, we won't not, survive. We will not survive. The other thing is, you know, the other media narrative, of course, is now they're starting with the Russian nonsense again. <laughs> so I'll ask you this question, Roman Duravi. Uh, how come Putin didn't invade Ukraine when Trump was there, since he was obviously on the payroll? Uh, I don't understand. Well, don't you remember? He told Kim Jong-un, you have a button and my button is bigger. <laughs> yeah, and, and in all seriousness, I mean, President I mean, Trump these attacks against him are so stupid. Business. They're so stupid, don't you think? I mean, they're recycling yeah. the same crap from 2016. We've already been through this, and the American people didn't buy it then, and they're not going to buy it now. Yeah, I, I will say this. The left does a very good job at um, reading from the same song sheet, and it is all one big lie. Why do the Republicans, I get this question a lot, as someone who deals with the press and communication strategy on the Republican side of things, people are always asking me, why can't we just get in line? Why can't we just come together? I mean, we're fighting each other on the Hill right now. I'll tell you why. Because we are not the party of groupthink. We are not the party socialism, 
Each individual in this party represents their constituents, and America is a beautiful, diverse nation. So the Republican Party is going to fight for freedom and individuality, period. The Democrats will try to feed you a line that they are the party of inclusivity and you can be whatever gender right. you want to be. Like, <laughs> none of that is real, okay, first of all. And second of all, you know, Trump was the first president that ran for office with a rainbow flag behind him, period. So if you really want to talk about a president of diversity, he is the only person that has done that. Now you have Joe Biden who's logged on to TikTok you know, the Chinese oh, yeah. communist platform. He's decided grandpa wants to go join the kiddos. I don't know what that's about. Uh, it's a creepy cringy. old guy on, t- yeah, it's a cringy t- old guy on TikTok. It's a little cringy. Cringe, I'm- as the kids say, cringe. <laughs> well, I'm a millennial, so um, I'm, I'm not as cool as Gen Z. Uh, oh, you're days, cooler, but- Roma. Stop it. You're way cooler. <laughs> Tell me about uh, your new gig right now that you're doing. Yep, so I started a PR firm when we left the White House called Dorabi Strategies. I work mostly with C-suite executives uh, across industries. It's not political, so it's a lovely section of my life that is has nothing to do with politics, although there is that you know undercurrent sure. of, of politics and everything these days. But uh, it's great. I get to work with a variety of industries, energy, healthcare, nonprofits. I worked with a human trafficking firm. Um, nonprofit this last year. It's been absolutely wonderful. I love being able to apply, um, you know, the communication strategy to a variety of industries. And then, you know, in my spare time, I'll go on shows like yours and, <laughs> and make sure we, we've got the right narrative on, on the world stage talking I about think, Trump and Biden. I think you do a great job on the radio. I, you do a great job in general. Uh, the seven states that we need to win, he's leading in all those states. I mean, to me, that's the metric right there, baby. That's the game. You, li- you win those states, you win Pennsylvania, you win Michigan, you win North Carolina, it's over. It's game over. And that's why the lead that he has in these states makes me worry. I worry they're going to swap out Biden. I do. It makes me worried. Nah, they're too lazy to You think that. so? All right. <laughs> Good. No, I think Trump is, he's definitely ahead in the polls. Um, he is not just focused on these battleground states, though. He is definitely focused on the nation as a whole. No state is too forgotten to win for him. Um, you know, even New York. You could look at New York. He just had uh, Letitia James saying that she's going to take away all of his assets. He's not allowed to do business in New York anymore. President Trump, his polling is going up in New York. As a Republican presidential candidate, he is only, I think, eight or nine points below Joe Biden. I mean, that is like Reagan-era numbers. Mm -hmm. This could could be, I, I mean, I won't go as far to say as my home state of California is up for grabs, but you never know. And what he's doing right now, you know, helping the RNC get back on track. Um, it's really amazing. It really shows you that he's in this for the long haul and that it's not just about his presidency. He truly wants to help the party and the nation get back in line. Well, you were awesome when you were in the White House helping us with the show. And you made a comment to me before you got on the air. You're, ba- you're glad I'm back in afternoons now. I and I, we, I Believe me, I am <laughs> very glad I'm back in afternoons. But you made a great point about that. I mean, afternoons are when everything happens, right? Yes. And, you know, if you talk to not just in Philadelphia, but you talk to people across the country, they, 10 years ago they said, oh, radio's dying, radio's dying. 
I'm sorry, we're in a digital era. Have uh-huh. you seen the number of podcasts out there? Yeah. There, there are 10,000 What are we at, Matt DeSantis Podcast Downloads, executive producer Matt DeSantis? Are we at 2 million now? No, we're way over that. Way I over think, that? Yeah, we're, we're in several millions at this point. Since we moved back to afternoons about a year and a half ago. Amazing. So, I mean, th- there boom. is definitely a need for it. Um, afternoon drive time radio is so critical President Trump absolutely loves radio. He loves talking on local radio specifically because he knows that's where people are listening. They trust people like you, Rich, in their community um, where they know they are, they're not going to get some fake headline like they are from the New York Times. They want to know, hey, what's Biden doing with his executive order? You're going to tell them. Yeah. He hasn't signed anything, guys. He hasn't signed anything. And even if he does, we need to pause and we need to wait and see if it even helps. Roma, I got to ask you two things. When you're back in the West Wing, you were great to me the last time you were in the West Wing. You were awesome. When you're back in the West Wing, I got to bring my three kids to the White House Easter egg roll. Can you make that happen for me? Oh, my goodness. Yes. All right. I got a nine, seven, and three-year-old. Nine, seven, and three. I got to be honest. will have the most fun. I'm just being honest. The nine, they might. might. But the bunnies are really amazing. And, you know, Sean Spicer... He's is sometimes bunny, hiding right? in that yeah, bunny. I've heard that. <laughs> but don't my, tell the three-year-old. My three-year-old, who will be four by then, may bite people like Hunter Biden's dog did at the White House, <laughs> like Commander did. It's possible, but I'll make sure she's good that day. We'll, we'll keep her on a leash. It'll be fine, all right? Uh, great, great seeing you, my friend. You really so appreciate all your hard work, cool. and uh, I know you're still very plugged in to the big guy himself, so send him my best. All Absolutely. right? Please do. Roma Duravi, where can we follow you, find you, all things Roma? Yes, at Roma Duravi, R-O-M-A-D-A-R-A-V-I. It's phonetic. I know it sounds like it's not. It's Greek, it right? Uh, it is actually Persian. Persian. Jewish. Very cool. Very cool. Yes. All right. I like it. Anybody with a vowel with their last name is a friend of mine. You know what I mean? <laughs> Zioli, Duravi. Yes. I mean, come on, you know. We're cousins. We're cousins. Yeah. Come on. Uh, enjoy the rest of CPAC. Thank you. Great you to too. see you, my friend. Happy Thank CPAC. you so much. And as we continue along here live on Radio Row from CPAC, it's great to be with you. I want to tell you about our great sponsor. we got a lot of great sponsors, but NJ Diet's going to help you lose some serious weight. 20 to 40 plus pounds in only 40 days' time. That's right. Contractually guaranteed weight loss with NJ Diet. Reach out to them today. Spring is here. 855-5NJ-DIET is who you call. There are locations for you in King of Prussia. Cherry Hill, Newark, Delaware, or live online anytime at njdiet.com. It's time to shed the sweaters. It's going to be beautiful out. We're going to look good and feel good, and we'll get an extra hour of daylight before you know it. So this is your moment. Lose the weight, guaranteed, all natural. No shots, no hormones, no side effects, none of that nonsense. njdiet.com, contractually guaranteed weight loss. 20 to 40 plus pounds in only 40 days' time. 855-5NJ-DIET or njdiet.com and lose the weight for good. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. Henry, why are you so cranky today? I thought it was potted up for that. I started yelling at Henry. He told me he wasn't potted up, so now that I'm potted up, I'm going to start yelling at him. Why are you so cranky? You didn't have to come to D.C. Because you called me cranky. I'm not cranky at all. No way. You, you've been cranky all day. Here How have I been cranky? Here we go. You have been. You're cranky all right, right, all right. When? What, what did hey, I do to... Hey, stop it. The two of you, you the two old ladies. Stop it. Knock it off. <laughs> fighting. Enough. Sorry. You both yelled at me. I got a quick turnaround. Now you two are fighting. It's Henry's fault. You're it's taking Henry's up fault. valuable, precious time here that we have. This is ridiculous. You're telling me. You're telling me I haven't even got to anything in the show yet. We've done nothing. <laughs> yeah, we actually haven't. We haven't accomplished a damn thing. We You're had just... one real segment for like six minutes. You're that a popular guy. 
I know. And there's more people stopping by. We got EJ Antoni's going to stop by, our official in-house ec economist. He may already he better be bring here. me bourbon. He might already be here. <laughs> he better bring me bourbon because I am thirsty and nothing open till 4 o'clock. You know that? I went down. Yeah, no, you can talk. I went down to the bar. There was nothing open till 4 o'clock. That's a travesty. I was going to raid it, like break in and steal. Like it's, I mean, they don't charge you with that. It's, we're in D.C. <laughs> it's, you're allowed to do that. It's yeah, legal. exactly. But, you know, instead I decided to wait. But. When where's old Pelker? He should be bringing me bourbon. Uh, He's probably yeah, he back asleep or passed out get drunk. You a drink like two hours. Two ago. hours ago, and yeah, that was never that. Came back. That's ridiculous. All right, well, we are live at uh, Radio Row at CPAC. I do have a bunch of audio clips too. Should we play one? We got some good ones. We have time to play one, Henry? No, no, I got to come right back. Yeah, let's right, save fine. it. We'll save it. But I do want to let you know that uh, the Amish are under attack. I'm going to tell you about that as well. A uh, lot to get to. Big guests coming up at six o'clock. Just a little hint for you, Veep Steaks, that's all I can say. Shh, can't say any more than that. All right, 855-839-1210, our big 5 o'clock hour straight ahead. Don't go away. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, this is the drive at 5. 30 minutes of non-stop talk with Rich Zioli. We are live at Radio Row at CPAC 2024. It's great to be with you for 30 minutes of non-stop talk. 855-839-1210. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli, I am so excited to be here and be live at BFE Epicenter of Conservative Thought and Activism. we got a big guest coming up at 6 o'clock. I can't mention who, but hi, Mary Walter. How you doing, buddy? Good to see you. We'll see you later. Hello. How are you doing? Have Good. How are you? Nice to see you. The great Mary Walter. Yes. Buy me a drink later. Oh, sure. You're done. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say no. Uh, twist my arm. Uh, buy me a drink now, how about? Because I can't get to the bar because I'm on the air. Uh, E.J. Antoni is the official economist of the Rich Zioli Show. And also that other guy's show down there. But that's the Lester Show, so we're not going to mention that show. Uh, I love Vince. I'm kidding. Stop it. And also the Heritage Foundation, of course. How you doing, buddy? I'm hanging in. How about hanging you? In? Yeah, we're hanging in. We're having fun. It's great yeah. to be here. You here all week? Off and on, yep. Off yeah, and pop, on. Popping in and out for, for different events, meeting different people. So basically just, you know, my favorite people. Your favorite people. There's yeah. a lot of them here. Did you see Liz Truss, the uh, former prime minister of Britain, walk For three by? seconds. She was prime minister. I was prime minister longer than she was. <laughs> but the mob around her was amazing. Yeah, meanwhile, he got Nigel Farage walking around here with nobody. Like, Why? it's just yeah. him. Why? Where's Nigel? Get Nigel on here. I want to talk to Nigel. Where is he? Where'd he go? Yeah, I don't know. Can we find know. him? Matt DeSantis, you got to get Nigel Farage on. Come uh, on. I'll search for him. Come on. Oh, come on, man. Do something. Uh, how's the economy doing these days? Not great. It stinks, huh? Not great, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, again, the, the crazy thing is... When you look at a lot of these numbers in aggregate, right, things look fine. But that's just because of how we calculate them. I mean, we're, we're basically at the point where as long as we continue to spend, borrow, and print enough money, we'll avoid a technical recession yeah. for years. But that doesn't mean people's livelihoods have gotten better. And, and again, you know, we've talked about this before, Rich, but that's a key reason why people are so down on the economy, why the polling numbers stink. Whenever people are asked about the economy, it's because for, for the average American, things are not that great. 
You know, and this is the key point about this, and that is that everybody has to go grocery shopping, and then they go grocery shopping, and they feel it, and they see it. So all the spin and all the BS coming out of the White House is a, lun- a bunch of crap because we have to actually buy food. You know, if we didn't have to eat, that'd be great. Now, I know they want us to eat bugs, and maybe bugs will be cheaper, but in the meantime, everything I'm buying is expensive. I do the shopping in my family, and the cooking, as you know, EJ, because we're Italian and we're the best cooks. Men are the best cooks. True fact. It is. It is. You yeah. know, it's, it's actually really interesting. There was a study done that looked at, you know, all the, like, basically the best chefs in the world. They're all men. Yeah. All of them. They're yeah. all men. That's why I don't want a woman barefoot and pregnant in my kitchen. I don't want her in my kitchen. She'll get in the way of what I'm doing, all right, because I'm cooking. <laughs> Fabulous meals, what I'm talking about here, all right? Um, when we think about inflation, somebody said to me on Twitter the other day, they said, you are putting too much emphasis on the spending and not enough on the Fed. Well, first of all, I blame the Fed enormously. Mm-hmm. I do. One sure, of the uh, sure. worst disasters of the Wilson administration, the worst president of all time. Amen. No doubt about it. Because his legacy of disaster lives on today. Mm-hmm. And the unbroken line of progressivism from Wilson to this idiot in the White House shows you that the Democrat Party's always been a party of progressive lunatics, with one exception, and that's John Kennedy, and that's it. Um, but, yes, the Fed's at fault. But, yes, the spending. When Biden got in there, $4 trillion of new spending, right? Wasn't it something like that? Mm-hmm. Right, right. So one of the crazy things about the Biden administration is the fact that literally all he had to do was nothing. All he had to do was just allow the COVID emergency spending to expire yeah. and then just go right back to how we were spending before. In other words, all of the programs that we hard already had in place, continue funding them. All of the things that were set to increase at specific rates, allow that to continue rising at those rates. And the government's budget today would actually be balanced. We wouldn't even have a deficit because tax revenues have exploded so much. Now, is a lot of that inflation? Absolutely. But the fact remains remains that if you literally just hadn't replaced COVID spending with more of these ridiculous boondoggles, a lot of it green energy nonsense, again, we'd have a balanced budget today. There would be no deficit. What What's the deficit today? This fiscal year, it's on track for $3 trillion. $3 trillion. In a single fiscal year. I mean, it's insane. We just yesterday... And that's a... Excuse me, the deficit is not the same as the debt. Right. Totally right. different things, right? It, exactly. So think of it. Think of the deficit as how much you have to put on your credit card each month because you can't afford to pay all your bills. Mm-hmm. The debt is all of the money that you owe. So your mortgage, your credit cards, you know, your, your student loans, auto loans, everything in between. Just yesterday, we crossed $34.3 trillion on the national debt. We are spending over a trillion dollars a year just to finance the debt. That's not paying it down. That's just paying the interest. So again, back to the credit card analogy, this is just the financing charges that you're paying every month on that card. You're not paying a penny towards principal. And one of the scary things is that not only are we averaging about $2 trillion a year in new uh, debt, right, because that's our deficit, but on top of that, there's about $8 trillion this year that's rolling over. In other words, it's old debt that we can't afford to pay off, so we're just going to issue new debt to pay for it. So it's all so it's all being issued at higher interest rates. That's the killer. We're taking stuff that was at 2% and reissuing it at 4 or 5%. Mm-hmm. The, the two-year Treasury is up 50 basis points in the last month. I mean, this is insane. When you think about a deficit... It's also something that actively works against you, like my two producers, Matt DeSantis and Henry. That's the deficit this show has. (laughs) That's the difference right there. Uh, The other point, too, that I think people forget is energy 
I know that we talk about gas prices, but let's leave gas prices out of it for a second. Idiotic things by this administration, like ending liquid natural gas exports, oh. is so stupid. And not only does it empower Putin and all these other bad exactly. guys around the world, right. but it hurts American energy independence. And yep. there's going to be a price that we're all paying for that down the road. Yeah, 100%. It's exactly right. And I, it's so laughable how this administration talks about, oh, defeating Putin. You know, we got to go after rootin' tootin' Putin, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's, right. just, it's so <laughs> ridiculous. They, they, they talk all this. They talk a big game. And then all of their actions do exactly the opposite. All of these ridiculous sanctions that we've been putting on Russia, they, ha they haven't been sanctions on Russia. They've been sanctions on us and our allies. I mean, what's the Eurozone doing right now? It's in recession. The German economy's in the toilet. Manufacturing has collapsed in Europe. Our manufacturing sector has been in recession for months. What's it doing in Russia? They're having the biggest manufacturing resurgence in literally decades. Why? Because they have done all of the things, basically, that President Trump was talking about, how we need to reshore manufacturing. We need to get all of these processes that are being done overseas, and we need to start doing them here at home. When Russia couldn't buy stuff from abroad, they literally just said to the world, fine, screw you guys, we'll make it all ourselves. And that's what they've been doing. And their economy is growing faster than anyone else's in the G7 right now. So all of the things that this administration keeps talking about in regards to Russia and how they want to penalize Russia and penalize Putin, it's doing exactly the opposite. It's helping them by boosting energy prices worldwide, which is where Russia makes all their money, right? We have literally gifted them hundreds of billions of dollars in just the last year because of higher energy prices. And at the same time, we're inflicting harm upon ourselves. And you know, your colleague, Dr. Victoria Coates, put it best when she said, Russia is a gas station. That's all it is to the world. It is a, it's a gas station. And all we've done is send more customers to that gas station. I mean, it's insane. We've got these countries in Europe who are uh, obviously not paying their fair share of NATO, which is a problem, but also they're buying more of his liquid natural gas. You know, if France is so worried that Putin's going to conquer France, and they, they lived through this during World War II, I mean, literally, the Nazis, you know, marching down the Champs-Élysées, wouldn't they stop buying his liquid natural gas if they were that terrified of him? The truth is they're not, and also because they need it. Right. Right. You know, and the other thing is, like, we need to actually get to a point where we can have serious conversations about issues like NATO. And we need to actually ask, should NATO even exist anymore? Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it should or it shouldn't, but we need to be able to ask that question. Why? Because the whole calculus behind it is gone. Right. The purpose of NATO was to keep the Soviets out of Europe, the United States in, and Germany down. Germany has nuclear neighbors. Right. Which is why France and Britain don't worry about getting invaded by the Germans anymore, because they can nuke them. Right. And, right. Then, and then the Soviets are gone. And we have been pretty darn involved in Europe, and it hasn't done us or the Europeans much good for several decades now, quite frankly. So none of the reasons for NATO existing actually exist anymore. So why should we have NATO? Maybe we need to replace it with something better, and probably the Russians need to be involved in whatever that is. Because, you know, when you say that, everybody says, because you are a pro-Putin advocate, you're just a Putin puppet if you suggest that. Right. Meanwhile, all of the policies that I have been promoting are all damaging to Putin. <laughs> and somehow I'm... Putin, Putin, exactly, as you call them, right? Exactly. And, and somehow I'm the Putin stooge. Okay, make uh, it make sense. <laughs> you can't. That's the problem. Dr. E.J. Antoni's with me. Uh, but on the point of, of all this money we're sending over there, I heard the most idiotic thing the other day. I hear a lot of idiotic things, but... 
to justify the, what, $60 billion in money they want to send to Ukraine, mm -hmm. somebody said, but it helps our GDP because it's our defense industry that's going to be the ones who are the recipients of the money that's going over to send the weapons to Ukraine. I thought to myself, how does that help our GDP if it's our money that's being used to buy this stuff? Well, first of all, can, can we come up with any more explicit argument for supporting the military-industrial complex you. than that? Right. But, you know, in, in terms of our GDP... Gee, if, only, if only there was a president who was a general who had warned us about that at some point, Oh, huh? gee, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. ah. uh, anyway. What did Ike so, know about the military? Yeah, Not exactly. much. You nothing, know? nothing. Yeah. Uh, so, but in terms of GDP, again, this goes back to how we open this conversation, where we have these, these big numbers in aggregate that look good, things like GDP, simply because the government is just throwing money at things. And so that boosts the GDP number simply because of, of the way we calculate it. You know, a lot of times these statistics are not necessarily meant to be uh, accurate so much as they are consistent in the things that they're measuring. And so the, the problem is then when you have these big drawdowns in government spending, which we've seen numerous times, right, what happens? Well, GDP actually shrinks. So even though people's livelihoods can get better because government's getting smaller, you actually get these smaller numbers in aggregate and things can look worse and vice versa, which is what we're seeing right now, right? Things look better because the government's wasting money. That, that doesn't mean people's lives are actually better. We saw this in spades during the Great Depression mm -hmm. where the government spent more money than it ever had before. And what happened? It caused the Depression to continue for 15 years. I mean, let's be honest, it lasted through World War II because people's living standards didn't actually get better. We had rationing. We had price controls, right? People who lived through World War, World War II will tell you things didn't really improve until all the soldiers came home. So, yeah, I, I mean, essentially... But one of the great myths that's told is that by hamping up the war effort, we were able to end the Great Depression. That's not actually true. Right, exactly. The, the only silver lining that we had was before we actually got into the war, because at that time we had countries like Britain who were paying us to produce arms for them. Mm -hmm. And so... And so essentially that boosted our export market and it did bring a lot of Americans you know, back into the labor force and it did create a lot of jobs. But at the end of the day, wars only destroy. There's nothing truly productive about armed conflict. And look, if, if we really did want to, to boost manufacturing here at home and boost arms production, then why don't we do it for our own military, which yeah. we have so ridiculously depleted by sending it all to the Ukraine? I mean, it's insane. And, and a lot of the money that we're sending there, Rich, isn't even going to, to things like munitions like the politicians are claiming. Did you know we're actually funding pension plans for you, for Ukrainian mm -hmm. government employees? Yes. I mean, this is insane. Yeah, we're paying we, their farmers, but right. we're declaring war on our farmers. Right. We, we can't even afford to fund our own government pensions here at home. So let's send a bunch of money to the government pensions in the most... Corrupt, corrupt country well, in well, Europe? Well, second most corrupt. I think Russia is the most corrupt, or do they flip? Is it like depending on the day of the week? What? You know what? Russia, at, Ukraine, Russia, Ukraine. At, at this point, Putin is so blatant with, with what he says and does, he doesn't even try to hide anything nah, anymore. I mean, care. is it right? No, but I don't know if it's technically corruption anymore <laughs> if you don't lie about it. No, it's not corruption if you embrace it like yeah. the Jersey Democrats do. Exactly. I mean, then it's just, you know, it's just normal operating procedure. It's just, you know, gold bars and, yeah. you know, and used Mercedes. <laughs> it's just SOP. Uh, <laughs> standard operating procedure. Now, uh, but, but on the point, though, of foreign aid, I mean, and I think American, the American people have had it, when you think about all this money going overseas as the border is wide open and you think about all the problems that we have in America mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. here at home, 
I think people look at that and they say enough is enough. We've talked a lot about smashing globalism at the CPAC conference this year. That's been a theme. I talked to Matt Schlapp about this earlier. And when we think about the concept of globalism, whether it's the, you know, the, the, the evil WEF, and I swear that guy's a Bond villain, that guy Klaus Schwab. I'm telling you, he's a, he's a Bond villain. You ever hear him talk? Oh, my gosh, I mean, yeah. It's like, oh, and Mr. Bond. I mean, I'm just waiting the, for the him. The way to... he talks, even just the way he looks. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I hate to judge a book by its cover, but you, know, you, you combine the way he looks. I mean, he's like a cartoon character. Yeah. He genuinely is. You know that guy has a thing of sharks with laser beams under his like floor. He oh, yeah. does, no yeah. doubt about it. Yep, his home, his home is surrounded by lava. Yeah. <laughs> But, I mean, all these international conglomerates that want more of our money, that we're sending mm -hmm. aid, all this money that goes overseas. And, I mean, people have said enough is enough. But that globalism that they want to achieve has a real direct effect on American jobs. And I think this is, again, one of the reasons why they want to try to stop Trump, because he wants to end that nonsense. And there's a lot of people that profit off of it, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, what, this sounds sacrilegious, so bear with me for a second. There, a lot of people have compared Trump to, to different people within the Bible. You know, one, one analogy was Cyrus, right, who was, you know, he was a pagan, but he was God's chosen instrument to deliver the Israelites back to the promised land, right? He was the Persian king who, after he conquered that area of the world, decided that the Israelites should go back home after their exile. So, you know, the, the Bible speaks highly of him. Uh, in, in the sense that, you know, he did deliver the Israelites back. He didn't do it for necessarily religious reasons, right? But but he did nevertheless, he nevertheless was their deliverer in that sense. You know, in, in, a, in a different sense, though, a better parallel might actually be Jesus, not for any kind of moral reason, but because the real reason Jesus was crucified was not that he claimed to be the Messiah. There were tons of, of idiots walking around claiming to be the Messiah in that day and age. That, that was nothing new. They weren't all put to death for blaspheming. Jesus was. And the reason was, was because he challenged the ruling class's way of life. And he told people that they were wrong. And that was why he had to go. And in the same way, Trump has been marked for political extinction as well, because he challenges all these people's way of life. He, you know, long before he got, uh, you know, banned from Twitter, he had posted a meme of himself, and it was, you know, him kind of sitting down and, and pointing his finger, uh, almost in the uh, the pose of that that famous recruiting poster, "I want you," right? Yeah, yeah. With Uncle Sam, and and the caption on it though was, "They're not after me; they're after you. I'm just in the way." And I think there's a lot of truth to that. Uh, EJ and Tony, we got we got Bible lessons, we got economic lessons. <laughs> so <laughs> before I let you go, I, I need your opinion on this. You know the White House dog commander bit 26 Secret Service agents. Mm -hmm. We know that. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, rough time. As we know, there was cocaine at the White House. We don't mm -hmm. know who it was. We also know that uh, this dog only bit cops. So I'm making a movie this summer, and I want to get your opinion on the title. I currently have a Twitter poll about this. Which title do you like better? Cocaine White House dog, right? Mm. Or defund the police dot 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 dog with a big exclamation mark because he's a defund the police dog because he keeps biting cops. Which title do you like better? I, oh, 
That's a tough one, but I, I think I got to go with the first one. Cocaine White House dog. Yeah. Now, Matt yeah. DeSantis, you disagreed. You like defund the police, dot, 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 dog, exclamation mark. I like that one more, but evidently I am in the minority. What is the current poll results? It, Do we have... Uh, it's 85% in favor of cocaine White House dog, mm. and then 15.5% uh, for... Uh, the alternative to fund the and police. See, this is dot, why dot. this is why he's part of the deficit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that he's you pointed out down. earlier. Yeah, one hundred percent. Always a pleasure, my friend, Dr. E.J. Antoni. We'll see you again, pal. Anytime. Stop by. Say hello. All right. Thank you for Especially having me. Especially if you me. bring bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. As we continue along here on Radio Row at CPAC, it's great to be with you. The big story of the day today, brought to you by. Our buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria, venariadental.com. Go see him today for your perfect smile. We have a number of other things to get to. We also have Congressman Scott Perry stopping by, a big guest at 6 o'clock. You're going to be very, very excited about, I believe. And um, in addition to that, we also have some audio for you. So I want to play you a clip, and I've been wanting to play this clip all day, but I just haven't had a chance because we've had so many people stopping by and interrupting, like E.J. and Tony, for example. But let's talk about... Free speech for a second here. Uh, now, actually, EJ, before I let you go, let me get your opinion on this. I'm not going to ask you if you believe that Justin Trudeau is the bastard love child of Fidel Castro. I'm not going to ask you that. But don't you I'm think so he looks a I lot don't like? Don't, don't you think he looks a lot like Fidel Castro? Like if he were to go do a Fidel Castro party and do an impression of him, mm -hmm. I think he would he would win. Is my point. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying he's his biological bastard son. I'm just simply saying he looks a lot like Fidel Castro. He, he, he does. So much so that uh, I, I'd find it hard to believe it were not the case. Oh, now, Matt DeSantis has oh, to step in here now. Go ahead. I have to note that it is the official stance of the Rich Zioli show that Justin Trudeau is the son of Pierre Trudeau. Allegedly. But the thing about it, though, is that uh, little Justin also acts like Fidel Castro. He's a freaking dictator and he wants to censor speech. Here is Trudeau going on about the deliberate undermining of mainstream media by conspiracy theorists. We've all been called conspiracy theorists before. We've all been proven right for all of our theories. But nevertheless, here is little Fidel cut number. That's his nickname. It doesn't mean he's his <laughs> bastard love child, which is his nickname. Little, it's not Pierre. little, it's Lil Fidel, like L-I-L -L with an apostrophe. Yeah, Lil it's a Fidel. compliment. He's yeah, it's Pierre. a compliment. Yeah. Lil Pierre. Oh, please. Pierre, I look more like Pierre Trudeau than Justin <laughs> Trudeau does. His mom like bringing pineapples and pink flamingos to Cuba, if you catch my drift. You know what I mean? She like playing Naked Twister. It's all I'm saying. Uh, cut number nine, Henry. There is out there a deliberate undermining of mainstream media. There are the conspiracy theorists, there are the social media drivers who uh, are trying to do everything they can to keep people in their little filter bubbles, to prevent people from actually agreeing on a common set of facts the way, you know, the CBC and CTV, when they were our only sources of news, you know, used to, used to, and global, used to project across the country, at least a common understanding of things. State-run media had common understanding of things. You know, the narrative was controlled by the government. Very helpful, right? Right, right. I, am I the only one who finds it strange that a native French speaker speaks English with a Cuban accent? <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is it me, or every time I hear him speak, I crave a, a Cubano sandwich? Is it me? And then I, well, they press it with the, with the ham and the, and the oh, cheese, yeah, and it's delicious, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. The pork, I mm -hmm. pork. Yeah, it's ah, fantastic. Uh, but you know who I love is Pierre Polivare. 
the opposition leader in Canada. Are you a fan of his? Oh, huge. huge. I love this guy. You ever see the clip of him? He was just bite, He was eating an apple. <laughs> in the orchard. And, and this yes. woman's going on about fake news. And he's just eating it. I was just crunchy. I've never, I don't crave apples, but I was craving one that day. <laughs> it sounded so delicious. He's just chewing an apple in this woman's face. Uh, he explains what really the uh, they're trying to do in Canada to ban hate speech and what it's really about. Cut number 10. The federal government has said that its uh, online harms bill is imminent. Uh, they've said this bill will include, among other things, a ban on, on so-called online hate speech. As you know, the Conservatives a decade ago repealed Section 13 of the Canadian Human Rights Act, which the Liberals ha have talked about reintroducing and, and tried in the last parliamentary term. Will the Conservatives oppose the reintroduction of these provisions and the Liberals' approach to so-called online hate speech? Yes. We will oppose Justin Trudeau's latest attack on freedom of expression. And um, I want to ask, what does Justin Trudeau mean when he says, when he says the word hate speech? He means speech he hates. So, for example, let's go through some of the things he said is hate speech. Jerry Butts, the PMO uh, puppet master, said that it was hate speech to criticize Trudeau for using the ridiculous term people kind, right? <laughs> the, Justin Trudeau said anyone who criticized him during the pandemic was engaging in hate speech. Um, basically anybody who disagrees with his radical agenda when it comes to kids, he says is hate speech. He attacked Muslim parents who were protesting against his agenda. Is he going to criminalize those Muslim parents for protecting their children in schools? Uh, go down the list of things that Justin Trudeau disapproves of and you can imagine all of the things that will be criminalized. And then there becomes the question of who is going to be in charge of determining what is hate speech? Um, recently, a school board in Ontario banned Anne Frank's books. Okay, so would that be considered hate speech under Justin Trudeau's woke uh, authoritarian agenda? I think it would. So anyone who thinks that speech they don't like is going to be criminalized and therefore the bill should be supported, go through that. Those people should go through the, the list of their own thoughts that Justin Trudeau cons considers to be unacceptable views. And you can assume that he will ban all of that as well. For example, if you say Cuban coffee is the lesser coffee, he considers that hate speech. Did you know that? Well, I mean, I can see why. It's, yeah. a, it's a personal attack on him and his family. <laughs> uh, it's just, I mean, look, this is, this is the guy who, when, when a bunch of truckers had a perfectly peaceful, not mostly peaceful, but perfectly right. peaceful protest, right. he got financial firms, he strong-armed them into freezing their bank accounts. I mean, th this guy is an absolute tyrant. Yeah. He is the proper successor uh, to his father, whoever that may be. <laughs> it is Pierre Trudeau, the former prime minister of Canada. Right. Official stance of the Rich Zioli show. Right. Allegedly. Now, last question for you, EJ. Speaking of dictators, Joe Biden is canceling more student loan debt, even though the Supreme Court said he can't. Uh, $1.2 billion just canceled. We just cancel it. We just cancel. How, how does that work exactly? We just cancel it. 
has has the Biden crime family ever let the law get in the way of anything they wanted? <laughs> I mean, we were just talking about you know how Hunter's cocaine was or allegedly Hunter's allegedly cocaine. Right, yes. uh, sorry, I'm, I'm Matt DeSantis is giving me the evil eye, like you have to say allegedly or you're going to get us kicked off the radio. <laughs> and anyway, uh, you know, like, I mean, well, it might have been Hunter's sawdust. We don't know. We don't know if it was his yeah, sawdust yeah. or his cocaine. Why? Do, by the way, why do I have a sneaky suspicion that if Netflix were to make a documentary about cocaine, it would be a black powder and not a white powder. <laughs> like I just I'm envisioning like a Netflix poster and the title of the movie is cocaine and it's just a powder of like black ash. <laughs> Always a pleasure, my friend. I appreciate stopping by. Dr. E. J. Pleasure's all mine. All right, buddy. We'll see you soon. All right, as we continue along the show here today, let me tell you about one of our great sponsors. Congressman Scott Perry is going to join us next. PA's uh, freedom fighter, one of my absolute favorite members of Congress. Always enjoy when he comes on the show. We'll talk about a lot of different things. Here live from Radio Row at CPAC. Always great to be here. Always great to be at the center of the action. No question about it. But I want to thank my buddy, uh, my friends over at Emmons Roofing and Siding because they do great, great work. My friend Matt and his wife Stephanie will give you the home of your dreams. All the upgrades you need. Kitchen, bathroom, roofing, siding, windows, doors. They can do a new bathroom for you in one day. I know. One day. That's true. A complete bathroom renovation. And they renovated our kitchen and our bathroom, and we loved it. My wife was happy, and as they say, happy wife, happy life. The roof will have a lifetime warranty on it. Windows, doors, finest quality craftsmanship. And the best part is they serve Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Delaware, and the Jersey Shore. And if you have a Jersey Shore house, please get that roof inspected now because minor leaks can turn into big problems when that warm weather comes, and it's coming. So reach out to the team at Emmons today. Go to their uh, Emmons Design Showroom in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, or just go to EmmonsRoofing.com. That's E-M-M-O-N-S, EmmonsRoofing.com. Let the great team at Emmons take care of you every step of the way. You're going to be happy and pleased with all the great work they do. EmmonsRoofing.com. Trust the company that I've trusted with my home for over six years. They've done it all for me and more projects to come. EmmonsRoofing.com. EmmonsRoofing.com. The Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. We are live on Radio Row at CPAC. It's the Rich Zioli Show. I'm here with one of my favorite members of Congress, a true fighter for freedom, Congressman Scott Perry, our own from Pennsylvania. How are you? Uh, Rich, it's great to be with you at CPAC. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, yeah. You know, you're always on the show. You're so generous with your time. But to have you in person is fantastic. Well, to see you in person so. is fantastic. It's nice to, you know, yeah. it's for real. It's nice to hang out in yeah, person, right, right? right? Are you having fun so far? Uh, it's awesome to be here. Um, there's a lot of truth being told here. You know, there's a lot of censorship around the world, but not in this place. And you feel kind of free to be yourself and say what's on your mind and hear things and be discriminating yeah. about it. I'm not sure I go that far with you, but okay, I'll listen to your argument. A lot of the world isn't that way anymore. People are afraid to speak their mind. Mm -hmm. And that's unfortunate in America. Yeah, it really is. Now, the theme here, a lot of it is smashing globalism, the end of globalism. Yes. I like that. Yeah, I, mean, I do you agree too. with that. Right, yeah. yes. We have a sovereign nation. It is America. It's the United States of America. We don't answer to other nations. We never have, and we should. We, we fought a war to end that, and I don't know why somehow there and there are people in our country that think that somehow that will be good whether it's the world economic forum whether it's the un whether it's uh, uh you know these different agencies associated with the un um the world health organization for instance we, we we've done pretty well in america we don't 
we can continue to lead the way. We don't need to follow anybody, and we shouldn't. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm so tired of this idea of these world councils controlling right, us. Right. Like Bond villains. That's what yeah, they really are. Yeah, it is a Yeah. <laughs> well, the only thing we haven't seen, right, is this guy at the World Economic Forum with the white cat on his <laughs> head, right? That's the only thing we haven't seen. <laughs> but he even talks like a creepy Well, he does. Yeah, 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 like, I want to see the monocle. And uh, Are you sure that's not that Blofeld guy? <laughs> no, Mr. Bond. I yeah. expect you to die. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the spending bill. Sure. I mean, I, 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 will, I refuse to call it a border bill because it's nothing about oh, the border. It's, no, no. it's just about getting our money over to Ukraine's border. Right, right. That's yeah. That's exactly what it is. And unfortunately, I predicted, and many of us did, to mm. be clear, that we were going to be at this point. And, and what, what our party needs to do is stand up and put our foot down and say no. Good. No. And, and if there has to be an impasse, nobody wants that to happen. Not me, not you, not anybody. But the alternative is a continued bankrupting of our country. And people say... You know, you people always talk about that, but it doesn't affect me. You always say that. It doesn't affect me. We went over $34 trillion between December and January. By May, we'll be at $35 trillion. People still say it doesn't affect me. I don't know if you've been to the grocery store lately. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you paid your credit card bills lately. How about your energy bills, right? All these prices go up because Washington keeps spending money it doesn't have. And now all this is really affecting rank-and-file citizens that want to get a student loan or a home loan, and they can't afford the interest rate. That is the effect of it. If you want some sanity in your own household, it's it starts really at the federal government and our spending. And when you got people that just want to take your money and spend it on their programs 8,000 miles away on a border in a country you've never been to, you're going to pay the price doubly. Doubly. Yeah, and let's talk about two things here. First of all, Biden, again, with the student loan payoffs, the bribes, it's a direct bribe to people, and it's unconstitutional. The Supreme Court said no. Yes, indeed. I, I love how Trump's the big dictator, but right, Biden right, yeah, just does exactly. whatever he wants, right? Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And, of course, I think this president, President Biden, saying, okay, well, the court said no. Let's see the courts enforce it, right? He's just thumbing his nose yeah. at our system and our Constitution, yet at the same time saying that Trump is dangerous and 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 right-wing people people that believe in the constitution are yeah. dangerous to democracy right they're a threat to democracy and it is vote buying and it's really quite honestly it is a slap in the face and it's so disrespectful to people that have earned their way maybe they don't have a college degree maybe you're out there uh fabricating sheet metal mm -hmm. maybe you're out there putting up uh maybe you're working as a chef in you know in a restaurant and you you don't have the luxury of going to college yet you get to pay for somebody that went and got a PhD or a master's degree and is making six figures and you get to pay for their education. That is the height of disrespect. And of course, in America, we're supposed to have equal treatment under the law. Yeah. Well, this is, first of all, as you mentioned, it's not under the law, and it's certainly not equal treatment. No, no, and it's, and it's just it's just buying votes. I mean, the old, yeah, exactly. in the old days, you had to do a bag of cash. I mean, now they just send you a government check. Well, I mean, you know, that bag of cash doesn't look good, right? But uh, <laughs> the check in the mail to each house is hard to track, right? Right, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. easier that way. Yeah. Uh, on the Ukraine front, what I can't understand, and we've talked about this before, you and I, on the show, Congressman Scott Perry, why does Congress not have a debate and pass an actual authorization if they really believe that if Putin conquers Ukraine, he's going to go next into Europe. Because it seems to me like if that's true, and I don't believe that, but if that is true, then we should do whatever we have to do to stop right. him. So why doesn't Congress, as per Article 1, actually debate it and do a resolution? My theory is it won't pass. Well, 
Let me just back up a little bit. If they believe that's true, if they believe that Putin's going to take over Ukraine and then conquer the rest of Europe, it doesn't seem like Europe believes that because they're not putting more money into Ukraine, but I digress. So back, not this January, but the last January, you remember Kevin McCarthy wanted to be speaker, and we said, you're not going to be speaker unless you agree to certain things. And one of those things was single subject bills uh -huh. because we wanted our constituents to see how we vote on an issue, and then they can determine, I don't think I like this guy or this guy, or I appreciate the vote, but they like to cobble them together together because they can't get the votes on things the American people don't want. And so they add all this other stuff so that your local politicians can come home and say, look, I wasn't really for that, but it was hooked to this. And if we wanted to get this, we had to vote for that. That's the game. America is sick of that. It's bankrupting our country. And, and of course, it, 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 gives, it gives people that are more interested in being wa in, in Washington cover. Yeah. For, for a vote that they know that they can't explain back home. That's absolutely got to end. And I, I would tell you, I predict for you, if we had a stand-up vote on just Ukraine funding, unpaid for, no, no end in sight, blank check, no resolution, we don't know what the goal is, we don't know what victory looks like, it would, it would take a different path. The American people want their border secured. Yeah. Yeah. They're fine with securing Ukraine's border, too. They don't like Vladimir Putin. Neither do I. Neither do you. Mm -hmm. We all get that. But we got a border that's wide open. And meanwhile, we can't spend a dime on that. How many Chinese nationals snuck over the border? H hundreds and hundreds last <laughs> weekend, right? And I'm sure, you know, communists, the Communist Party runs China. Do you think those guys are like, I'll just slip out at night and no one will <laughs> notice, right? And I'll make it over to America and no one will notice and I'll be free. And, uh, I'll, you know, I'll do whatever I'm going to do in America. Unfortunately, I think these folks are working for the Chinese Communist Party. And the Communist Party said, why go through this whole immigration thing that'll take years? They'll check in your background. They're going to find out you're part of the party, that you're an intelligence agent. We'll just send you to Mexico and you, you, we'll fly into Guadalajara. You can take a trip up. We'll pay the bill. And you're in America. And then you can go shut off the lights. We just had a, um, a major outage today of cell phones. Right, right. Which are being told the solar flares. Uh, maybe it is. I don't know. But all I know is that something's coming. I well, this is what I know. Every time I seem to trust the government in these, uh, you know, these answers that, right. they, and they say, well, no, what you believe is a conspiracy, you know, about a month later or six months later, it's like, huh, that was true. Yeah. Who figured that out? Imagine that. We were actually right about that. Yeah, right, right. right. But yeah. oh, that's in the past. Yeah. Forget that. We're moving on to the next thing. It wasn't an undercooked bat burger that yeah. started po so, so solar flares are destroying the... Uh, the cell phone grid, but they have nothing to do with uh, the temperature of the planet. <laughs> right, right. Okay, yeah, it's awesome. Uh, a key issue to Pennsylvania yeah. and the country, liquid natural gas. Yes. I mean, again, it's so idiotic of this administration. They want to stop Putin, yet we do a ban on liquid natural gas yes. exports. Yes. So Europe is now reliant even more on Putin. On Putin, right? That makes absolutely no sense. So, so if you know, we don't have to sanction Russia. We don't have to sanction, although we should Iran. That's a different story. But, but the best, the best thing that we can do is is compete with them at a level where they cannot compete. America has the resources. We do it more cleanly. We do it more efficiently than anybody else on the planet. But since this Biden administration and the cohorts on the left are against America and against the things that we heat our homes with, cook our meals with, and, and, and oftentimes take public transit on, since they're against that, then we have rising Russia, we have a rising Iran, who are doing quite well. All of them are doing quite well. And sanctioning them only hurts us. It doesn't help them. Because guess what? They don't abide by our sanctions. They're Russian. Right. they like, huh, America said we can't do this. 
well, I think we're a sovereign country. We're just going to do it anyhow, which is what they're doing, as you know, Rich. Uh, 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 no, no doubt about it. All right, two questions for you, because I know you got to run. He's got to run, right? He's a busy guy. Uh, real quick, Pennsylvania, Trump, yeah. can we win it? Going to win it. Yeah, going to win, win it, right? Going to win it. Yeah, absolutely. Second number, uh, Biden, the impeachment inquiry. Yeah. Still going forward? Still going forward. They're going to, when I say they, of course you understand and recognize the Biden family's not going to give us, they're not going to be forthcoming with the information, right? Yeah. What's troubling is the, the agencies, the FBI, the DOJ, the IRS, who won't give us the information. Now, I don't know that we get there in time, but all along the way, we're going to keep lifting up the rocks. You saw just another snake was revealed last week in this AmeriCorps thing in Pennsylvania, right? Bankrupt mm -hmm. hospitals in rural areas, hooked to the Biden's money-making scheme, said that Joe Biden was going to be on the board. That's what, that's what said Joe Biden was going to be on the board. We're going to keep on lifting up the rocks and showing the American people so that if we can't get to impeachment by November, the American people can make an informed choice. I lied. Last question, because if I don't ask it, Sarah's going to kill me. Okay. How do we follow Congressman Scott Rep. Perry? Scott All things Perry. Scott Perry. Rep. Scott Perry, Rumble, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, you name it. I'm everywhere. Come my, find me. My man, keep up the fight for freedom. Yes, sir. Fight it. for freedom. Congressman right. Scott Perry, thank you so much, buddy. Thank you. You're listening to Rich Zioli. Rich Zioli. Live from CPAC. On Talk Radio 1210. WPHD. And on the free Odyssey app. All right, as we continue here live at CPAC 2024, you know, we have another great event coming up very soon, and that is our Travis Mannion Foundation Radiothon. I'm super excited about that. And one of the great people, the great organizations that always back us, always have our back, is McCall's and Lock Service. That's because for over 100 years, they've been helping the community. Proud supporters of the Travis Banning Foundation Radiothon and proud supporters of Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. So if you've lost your car keys or your key fob is broken, you've got to call McCall's and Lock Service. They are the experts you need to repair, replace, reprogram originally factory remotes, transponder keys, chip keys, and more. In addition, all those major makes, they can also help you with various BMW, Mercedes, Volkswagen, and Audi vehicles. They can help you while you wait, and the best part is they charge up to 50% below what you'd pay at a dealer. They're a full-service locksmith and available for whatever you need, and they are dedicated to delivering superior customer service. So call McCall's and Lock Service today at 610-430-1500. 610-430-1500. They are conveniently located on Route 420 in Prospect Park, PA. They would love to help you. Tom and Chrissy, good people. Always there for us when we need them, and they will be there for you. McCausland Lock Service. McCausland Lock Service. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. All right, we are live from Radio Row at CPAC. It's great to be with you. Thank you for being here today. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. It's a lot of fun. We're having a great time. Wish you were here. Wish you were here. We have a big guest coming up a little bit after 6 o'clock today, so make sure you are there for that because I want you to be there. <clears throat> you don't want to miss it. That's for sure. Um, one thing I wanted to mention to you is, you know, the, um, the amazing thing about the times in which we live right now, we're talking about a lot about the border. Uh, you know who's been pretty outspoken lately about the border is Dr. Phil. He's also been outspoken about what's happening with the kids, with the transgender nonsense. But Dr. Phil, and we have this clip, right? I think I said that to you, Matt, don't we? Um, yeah, I got Border it. Patrol Union head and Dr. Phil were talking about how American tax dollars are actually 
paying for the human trafficking of children. This is kind of a kind of been a theme here at CPAC talking about human trafficking. It's been something that they've had a conversation about. So Brandon Judd, who's the head of the uh, Border Patrol Union, and Dr. Phil had a little chat on the subject. Uh, take a listen. These children that are coming in with someone that says, I'm their mother, aunt, uncle, or whatever, we have no way of verifying that. We do not. We used to, present, under, under President Trump, we had rapid DNA testing. That's been done away with. Are they given money, these people that are released into the country? So it's our taxpayers that ultimately facilitate the travel. But yes, travel is facilitated, and they are given all the necessities that they need. But that could be a trafficker. There's a very good possibility that they're being trafficked, that they're going into the sex industry, or they're being forced into the sweatshops. And, and we know that. We're, we, we knowingly are spending our tax dollars to sell children into sex trafficking. How under any theory is that okay for us to be spending tax dollars to traffic children? Holy Now, this is the head guy on the border. And I asked him when this went on a little more, we went in more depth. You know you're on camera here, right? You just said we're spending tax dollars to sell children into sex slavery and he said yeah i said why have you not talked about this he said nobody's ever asked me these pointed questions but i'm grateful that you're asking them now that's how out of control we are down there we are we are paying money to take these children and sell them into sex slavery they, they, they come in with these addresses written on their bodies written on their arm and we call up there and say, uh, do you know so-and-so yeah, yes uh -huh, we're waiting for them okay they'll be on a plane or a bus and you need to pick him up. And and I ask him, so some pimp or trafficker or whatever is picking him up up there. And he said, we are knowingly sending them up there for that. And he said, it's terrible, but that's what's happening. Crazy stuff. Uh, the border situation is obviously a major, major problem in this country. It's a crisis. It's no doubt it's a crisis. Um, we're not going to talk about it, though, because obviously the corporate media does not want to discuss anything. But, you know, Biden is so ineffective, he can't even control his own freaking dog. Do you know that the cocaine White House dog? There was a New York Times story about this. This is amazing. The Secret Service had to adjust tactics to avoid bites from Biden's dog. They had to adjust. The Secret Service of the United States of America had to adjust operational tactics to protect President Biden because the family's first dog kept biting agents. Cocaine White House dog kept biting agents. And he hates cops. So that's why it's also defund the police, dot, 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 dog, exclamation mark. But uh, what they wrote was they said the recent dog bites have challenged us to adjust our operational tactics when commander is present. Please give lots of room staying a terrain feature away if possible, said an assistant special agent in charge of the Presidential Protection Division. We will continue to keep a protected person whose code name was blacked out in the document, but was clearly Biden, in our sight, but we must be creative to ensure our own personal safety. The documents were released in response to a Freedom of Information Act request by John Greenwald, a longtime California-based researcher who specializes in unearthing government secrets. And... The guys call the conspiracy coup because he went after stuff from UFOs and CIAs and all these other things. But he got the documents from the Secret Service and the Secret Service showed that they were, in fact, they confirmed their authenticity. So Biden can't even keep his freaking dog under control, let alone the entire country. So that's what's happening right now. Uh, the other point, too, that I wanted to make is, you know, 
in, in the craziness of our political times, we, we sometimes get distracted by things a lot. I don't for a second think that when I tell you that the Russia hoax is going to be a key element in what the Democrats are using against Trump, don't for a second think I'm wrong here. I'm 100 percent right on this point. In the next hour, I'll play you a clip from that idiot Jamie Raskin proving that I'm that I'm exactly right about that point. Uh, they are they are 100 percent going all in, going all in on this. The other question, too, is what's going to happen to the excessive fine that former President Trump was 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 levied in New York state? Does he have an Eighth Amendment argument to make that this is cruel and unusual punishment based on the, uh, the, the Eighth Amendment of the Constitution? Because there is another point about the Eighth Amendment that I mean, you know about it as cruel and unusual punishment, but it's also the excessive bail shall not be required, nor excessive fines imposed, nor cruel and unusual punishments inflicted. So it's not just that. And the great Victor Davis Hanson weighed in on that, and I'll share that with you in the 6 o'clock hour as well. Plus, we have a big guest stopping by in any moment. So I want to thank my buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria. He's going to give you the smile of your dreams. Just go see Dr. Mike today, VenariaDental.com. He is my dentist. He's also the master of dental implants, VenariaDental.com, V-A-N-A-R-I-A, VenariaDental.com. Go see him for your perfect smile. Listen, you deserve a beautiful smile, and Dr. Mike can give it to you. That's what he does. He gives people the smile of their dreams. So if you've had a, 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 an estimate for any dental work, get a second opinion with my buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria. Pediatric, general, cosmetic dentistry, pain-free root canal treatment if necessary, and of course, complicated dental work. That is his specialty, VenariaDental.com. Go see him. What are you waiting for? He's got two offices to serve you, Cinnaminson and Woodbury, right over the bridge. His whole staff is great. The office is great. The music they play is great. It's all wonderful. VenariaDental.com, VenariaDental.com. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. We are live from Radio Row at CPAC. It's great to be with you, and we are having a blast. 855-839-1210. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Thank you for being here today. I appreciate it very, very much. We've had a lot of fun, a lot of great interviews. Um, Our special guest is running late. There was some programming changes in the speaker order uh, but I'm guaranteed an interview with this special guest. It's just a matter of when. We may be recording the interview after the hour's over, or, or it may happen during this hour. I don't know. Either way, you're going to have a great hour of radio ahead of you, so I promise you that. You don't have to worry about a thing. Uh, and then tomorrow we've got some great guests in the works already, and who, who knows what surprises will ensue. One thing I do know, though, is that the bar is loaded I mean, I'm not even joking. Right now we're in Radio Row, and this place is starting to clear out. Of course, we are one of the shows that I have to do my, my fourth and final punishment hour, so we're live. But uh, it's it, it's like it, it, the tumbleweed up here now. The bar downstairs, because I went downstairs and just checked it out real quick, loaded. <laughs> just checked it out. Just checked. I was trying and did a couple shots of uh, 
of uh, Maker's Mark, but it's loaded down at the bar. Everybody's having a blast. It's a lot of fun. It's great being here today. Uh, the uh, other DeSantis, not Matt DeSantis, the one who actually matters, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. <laughs> declared that he would sign a bill into law that would release the secret grand jury material from the state's 2006 investigation into allegations of Jeffrey Epstein's sexual assaults of underage girls. DeSantis also challenged President Joe Biden to release the federal files relating to Epstein's alleged child sex crimes. Now, don't forget, this comes on the heels of another story we did last week, which is that the victims of Jeffrey Epstein are now suing the FBI for their negligence in, in going after Jeffrey Epstein. Because it was a cover. The whole thing was a cover-up. I mean, Epstein was, and I still believe, is an asset. Um, I mean, he's dead now. He didn't kill himself, but he's dead. But I've always believed he was an asset of the, uh, of the deep state, of the national security state. And that's why when they went to search his apartment in New York, his townhouse, when they opened up the safe and they saw evidence of crimes, they completely ignored it and said they needed a warrant, even though it was in plain sight. They could have taken it. They could have got a magistrate judge on the phone, but they do not do those things. And as a result, uh, more people were harmed. So that is, is coming out. By the way, I want to mention, I have to mention this or I will um, feel terrible if I forget. But my buddy, Steve Paccaraduni from Gloucester County, has a big event coming up this Sunday. They are doing a official petition signing to get Donald Trump on the New Jersey ballot. The event is free. It's hosted and sponsored by America First Republicans. It starts Saturday, February 25th, 12 to 3 p.m. Doors open at noon. It's at the Coles Shopping Center in Washington Township, New Jersey. Free event. The first 100 signers will get a free Trump flag. You'll get a free keepsake Trump pen that you will use to sign his petition to get him on the ballot. Light refreshments will be available. That's coming up this Sunday, February 25th in Gloucester County. And they have some great speakers coming up as well. So make time for that. Uh, the big story of the hour, though, is this story about what Governor DeSantis is doing in Florida. It is brought to you by our buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com. Go see him today for your perfect smile, VenariaDental.com. <clears throat> So when it comes to Jeffrey Epstein, what we need to do is we need to ensure that we get all the truth out there. We have to ensure that we get the truth on the record. And we have to ensure that everything is known. And we cannot hide anything anymore. Uh, it all has to come out. It has to come out. And I'm sick and tired of the cover-up. I really am. I'm sick and tired of it. Now, what DeSantis is doing, it's interesting because the files, he said, all files related to Jeffrey Epstein's criminal activity should be made public. While the federal government continues to stonewall accountability, I'm glad the legislature has taken action to release the grand jury material from the Florida state case. I will sign the bill into law. Once signed, the law goes into effect on July 1st. And the governor's asking now why Biden won't do the same on the federal level. Great question. Why won't Biden release the federal government's Epstein files? It's an excellent question. We know the answer to that, though, of course, and that is because he probably was part of the national security state. Florida politics said of the bill it amends Florida statutes by expanding a furthering of justice exemption to grand jury secrecy to include furthering a public interest. But it comes with severe conditions that Epstein's case uniquely meets, including that the subject of the grand jury inquiry must be dead. The inquiry must have involved crimes or sexual activity with a minor and that the testimony must have been previously disclosed under a court order. A court could limit what is shared with the public and could redact documents and testimony. 
Last year, two of Epstein's victims committed suicide, unlike Jeffrey Epstein. Many other victims are suffering in my county and around the world, said one of the bill's sponsors. Epstein could have been stopped right here in Florida. Instead, he was released to dehumanize girls for another 13 years. We need to know why. Back in 2005, police in Palm Beach, Florida, began investigating Epstein over allegations of sexual assault of minors after the parents of a 14-year-old reported child sex abuse accusations to law enforcement. In a June 2016 deposition, a Palm Beach police detective said he had spoken to approximately 30 females who had told him about performing massage and work at Epstein's home. The detective noted that a majority of the females that he spoke to were under the age of 18. The detective, his name is Joseph Rosari, he said Epstein would either attempt to fondle the girls or touch the girls inappropriately, at which point he would, he would pleasure himself. And when he was done, he would get up and go wash off while the girls would get dressed and go back downstairs and get paid. Some of the minors said they were paid to recruit their friends to massage Epstein. Epstein's lawyers secured a sweetheart deal for the alleged financier in 2008. He pleaded guilty to procuring a child for prostitution and soliciting a prostitute. He served 13 months in a private prison wing and had extensive work release. During that time, according to the Associated Press, he was taken to his office, where he claimed to be running his financial consulting business and his foundation. Who does that when they're in prison, by the way? Who's, who's allowed to go to their office and work? By the time of his release, he was spending six days a week and 18 hours a day at his office. Well, he was supposedly in prison. He was required to wear an ankle monitor and hire two deputies to oversee his whereabouts from the lobby, but they were not in his office with him. In July of 2019, Epstein was arrested at Teterboro Airport in New Jersey, and he was charged with sex trafficking and conspiracy to traffic minors for sex. The grand jury indictment alleged that dozens of underage girls were transported to Epstein's homes for the purpose of engaging in sexual encounters. In August of 2019, Epstein did not commit suicide because he didn't hang himself in a Manhattan federal jail cell while he awaited trial. Earlier this month, his brother shared photographs of the convicted pedophile's body. Mark Epstein is questioning the narrative that his brother killed himself in prison because obviously his brother did not kill himself in prison. So there you go. Uh, the other point, too, that I want to mention to you is that Jonathan Turley points out, and this is a very, very important point, that the, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the uh, what they're doing to Catherine Herridge here the, over at CBS News, a former former uh, journalist, the one really the only journalist who's out there, Catherine Herridge, has now been fired. Turley went on to say that the implications of what seized files mean, because CBS seized all their files, for the government's ongoing court case against Herridge as well as CBS. And the thing about it is that CBS is suggesting that it will allow unnamed individuals to rifle through Catherine Herridge's files to determine what will remain with the network and what will be returned to the reporter. That could fundamentally alter how reporters operate and how willing sources are to trust assurances that they will be protected. See, in criminal cases involving privileged information, the government has an elaborate filter team system to wall off access to information that's under review. In the court system, Judges use in-camera and ex parte reviews to protect such information. Ironically, the media itself seems to take a more ad hoc approach. Indeed, CBS seems to have adopted a trust us, we're the media approach. However, that could expose these files to the access of unnamed lawyers, tech staff, and others who are conducting this inventory and analysis. You see, she's trying to protect her sources. 
The government wants her to reveal her sources. She said, hell no, she won't because she's an actual journalist and she's trying to protect her sources. Thankfully, Turley said Herridge's former colleagues have scoffed at this move. They said, quote, this is the journalist union here. The position of CBS has alarmed many, including the union, as an attack on free press principles by one of the nation's most esteemed press organizations. I have spoken confidently with current and former CBS employees who have stated that they could not recall the company ever taking such a step before. When sources accept confidentiality assurances, it is an understanding that rests with the reporter. It is a matter of trust that can take a long time to establish on a personal level between a reporter and a source. A lot of this, too, is because Catherine Herridge was involved in intelligence and law enforcement. Professor Turley explained that journalists are generally allowed to leave with their files as per the standard contract, including the one at CBS, so long as they can be made available to the network in the event of future litigation. But that's not what happened here. They've seized all of her records and all of her files. Now, the reason why I think they've done this is because they want to do the government's bidding. I've told you for a long time, the unholy triad exists between the government, corporate media, and big tech, except with the exception of, of X, the platform formerly known as Twitter. CBS wants to do the, beheading, the, uh, the, the, the bidding of the Biden administration and the, and, and the government and the deep state, and I think they want to get these sources out there because they don't give a damn about journalism. They give a damn about pushing the narrative. And they also want to be able to ensure that they can help the government get whatever narrative it wants out there. They, they don't want an adversarial relationship with the government. They don't want that, but it's not what they're looking for. They're not looking to do those things. That is not in any way, shape, or form what they want. This is a journalism, quote-unquote, journalism world right now where you have the, the media pushing the narrative of the government, serving that narrative. That's what the government of the United States of America is doing, and that's what the corporate media works with them to do. Now, <clears throat> when you think about the uh, question, of course, of all of this, do you think that the media in this country ever actually fact-checks Joe Biden? See, former Democrat senator and shill for the left, Claire McCaskill, was on MSNBC. She's on there quite a bit. She was on the Morning Joe Schmo show. And um, she said that every major newspaper in America, well, I'll let you take a listen to this, this absurdity. I know it's painful to listen to Morning Joe, but you need to hear this because this is what's being peddled out there. This is exactly my point about the corporate media doing the bidding of the government and the Democrat Party. Cut number five. Yeah. And, you know, the irony is if you travel around the world, which I'm fortunate enough to have a chance to do um, several times a year, you know what the rest of the world sees right now? They see America with the strongest economy. They see America with the most advanced technology. Uh, America's universities still the brightest light on the horizon in terms of academics and research. They see American companies still exceeding in terms of their global reach. But you know what they really look down their nose at? They look down their nose at Donald Trump being the leader. I mean, what they everyone says to you when you travel, well, you wouldn't elect him again, would you? Um, hasn't the country learned 
you wouldn't ever give this guy power again, would you? Tell us that he's not going to be reelected. Please tell us that you've learned your lesson. So the only blemish on the great country of America worldwide is, in fact, Donald Trump. And can I make a suggestion? I move that every newspaper in America quits doing any fact checks on Joe Biden until they fact check Donald Trump every morning on the front page. They it is do that now. That the New York Times fact checked Joe Biden on something. Oh, I oh, mean, oh, he oh. vomits lies. Trump vomits lies. Trump vomits lies. And so the corporate media does fact checks on Joe Biden. That's amazing to me. I had no idea that they did that because they don't do that. But you know what they're all mad about? They're all mad about the fact that the New York Times talked about Joe Biden's age. That's what they're upset about. But I'm telling you why they did that. Because the narrative, the stage is being set. And what is that stage set for? Swapping out Joe Biden. That's what it's being set up for. The New York Times is just doing the bidding of that. They don't actually care about Biden's age. They know that it's going to cost him the election. He's going to lose. So now they're bringing it out there because they need to get rid of the guy. That's the only reason why any of this is happening. If we had a media in this country that actually did their job, they would be fact-checking Joe Biden on everything. But they're not. They'd also be fact-checking on the Russia collusion hoax. Here's the idiot Congressman Jamie Raskin, who again, again, is making comments that are ridiculous about Russia collusion and Russian hoaxes. With no basis of fact whatsoever, they've just decided to do the old replay. Let's go back and play the hits. Let's go back and play the hits. Russia, Russia, Russia. Russia collusion, Russia hoax. Let's do it. Let's go back and play the greatest hits of 2016. It didn't work then. It's not going to work now. But these people are not creative. They're not talented. They have no ability to be creative or funny. So here's Jamie Raskin. Cut number six. Um, these falsehoods that are concocted as part of a Russian conspiracy theory. So well, I hope that our colleagues on the Oversight Committee and Mr. Comer will finally just give up the ghost and shut down the circus and say, all right, this is over. We tried our best, but there's nothing there other than disinformation and propaganda by Vladimir Putin. But do you think they will? Well, so far, they've not. I mean, we had another guy who was supposed to be a bombshell witness who turned out to be uh, an asset or an agent for the Chinese government. And that blew up in their face, too. And every other witness uh, really implodes on them. And they just go on to the next one as if we wouldn't notice the pattern. But I, I do think this is the end of the road because this is where it all began with that original lie. And now it's becoming very clear how it got started. This is all part of a propaganda and disinformation campaign by Russia attempting to help Donald Trump. And, you know, when we point out the very clear contours of this story, our colleagues just start chanting, Russia hoax, Russia hoax. Well, what's the hoax? Is it the, uh, the brutal invasion of Ukraine and the tens of thousands of Ukrainians who've died or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of Russians who've died? Is it the death of Navalny that's the hoax? What exactly is the hoax they're talking about? Because um, it seems to me that the most well, likely hoax is really Donald Trump, who's been manipulated uh, by Putin for a long time or is certainly in love with Vladimir Putin. In love with him. And say a negative word about anything He's he in does. love with him. So is, is Jamie Raskin suggesting that Donald Trump is gay? Because I'm just curious about that, because that sounds to me very homophobic, what he just said. Incredibly homophobic. And somebody needs to call him out for that. I think Jamie Raskin is being incredibly anti-LGBTQ++IA, every letter of the alphabet. And I will not stand for that. 
I will not stand for that, sir. Unbelievable. All right, 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Uh, we got a lot to chat about. As we are live from Radio Row on CPAC, we got so much more to come. We're just getting warmed up. The Amish are under attack. That's right, Amish farmers under attack. Don't go away. The Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. All right, welcome back live from Radio Row at CPAC 2024. How are you today? Good to see you. Uh, our special guest is running late. They had a programming change with the speaker lineup, which happens all the time at CPAC. Um, but nevertheless, our special guest will still come by for an interview. If the show's over, we'll record it and we'll play it for tomorrow. But um, we're excited anyway. So don't worry about it. It's been a heck of a show with a ton of guests and it's a lot going on. So I, for one, <clears throat> am wiped out. But that's okay because I just got a gigantic Americano. And uh, it's a lot of, uh, a lot of caffeine. So there you go. <laughs> and now a lot of uh, bourbon after that. So there you go. I didn't even do anything today, and I'm tired. I don't right? know how you're still standing. I mean, you know. Uh, Linda said, hey, Rich, awesome interviews today from CPAC. It's obvious that you are in your element. Thanks for great radio talk in the afternoon. So many guests. I have to DL the podcast and re-listen to Meg Brock. What an amazing voice of reason and inspiration. Yeah, and she's one of ours. She's local, which is great. We had a couple of local people on today. We three. We had Scott Perry. We had... Um, Greg Price, and we had Meg Brock, which is great. But I really enjoyed hanging out with uh, my buddy Congressman Scott Perry today. It was a lot of fun seeing him and hanging out with him. So that was good. He's a good man. He's a, he's a fighter for freedom. He really is. They hate his guts, obviously. They hate his freaking guts. Uh, they're coming after the Amish, the Amish farmers. This is quite a story here. You know, in Pennsylvania, you are not allowed to have uh, raw milk or raw cheese. I don't know if you know that or not, but the Amish, uh, they, they like to sell that stuff. So there's a guy in Lancaster, Lancaster, PA. His farm was raided by the Pennsylvania Department of Agriculture. And the Pennsylvania Department of Agriculture also detained a number of his, uh, of, of his products and food and everything else. We've talked about this guy before. His name is Amos Miller, and he's an Amish farmer in Lancaster, the PA Department of Agriculture detained thousands of dollars worth of food, which members of his community rely on to feed their families. My friend sent this to me earlier today. His court date is on Thursday, February 29th. Now, <clears throat> there's going to be a rally to support him coming up in Lancaster on Thursday, February 29th. From his point of view, and this is what's crazy, if, if you want to buy, in my opinion, you want to buy raw milk, you want to buy raw cheese, Knock yourself out. I mean, this is America, and, I mean, my God, you can buy fentanyl on every freaking street corner, but we're going to spend time going after farmers who sell raw milk and raw cheese. If people want to buy it, they want to eat it, why can't they do that? I don't, I, see, this is what infuriates me about government. Some people like the idea of eating raw food. I don't because it makes me sick, but that's okay. So I, I drink pasteurized milk, and the cheese, I sometimes do raw cheese, but... Either way, this is supposed to be the United States of America. It's ridiculous that we have a border that's wide open, and yet we're going after Amish farmers for selling freaking raw cheese. This is America and the priorities of America in the year 2024. Here's a little bit of the farmer, John Amos. Take a listen. Hey, everyone. This is Max Amos Payne. Miller, excuse me. I am in the cooler of Amos Miller here in Bird in Hand, Pennsylvania. And I'm going to take on a tour of the cooler, show you some of the food back here that the government will not let people eat and uh, get you to meet the cows that are producing this amazing nutrient dense food. So if you're not familiar with the Amos Miller situation, Amos 
Miller is an Amish farmer here in Pennsylvania, um, living according to Amish beliefs, uh, farming, uh, raising food the way God created it, um, milking cows, unadulterated raw milk, healthy, grass-fed, nutrient-dense, life-giving milk is what this farmer produces. And he's teamed up with a community of some other farms that also uh, supplies the customers. They're doing a great service for the American people and for their private membership that they sell to. All this food has been sitting in the cooler, detained uh, for about a month now. Let's just kind of go go on a tour here. This is, uh, if you don't know about uh, raw milk, uh, it'll ferment over time. This jar right here exploded a little bit from the pressure. It's been in here for over a month. The salsa's detained, water kefir's detained, granola detained. Food, we're, we're confiscating the guys that, freaking That's food. unsafe. Look it up there. Can't sell maple syrup anymore, pickled beets, uh, canned fermented vegetables. If he was selling this uh, is fentanyl, how people used fine. to make food before the big factories got a, got a hold of it. We've got the Pennsylvania Department of Agriculture. Pro right. Product under detention. Look at this yellow butter right here. Look at all this butter. Shelves and shelves of butter. Um, kefirs, yogurts. Whey is unsafe. We got a whole other room back there. I mean, this is easy, $100,000 worth of food. Goat, uh, goat products, beautiful goat dairy product. Look at all this cheese here. You're probably at home now wishing this was your refrigerator, right? Wishing that. This is the freezer. I'm in the freezer right now. Wow. Well, you Look get all point. This. I mean, this, thank you, Henry. That, that, this, is, this is the insanity of the United States of America in the year 2024. And Pennsylvania, this is Josh Shapiro. But here's the thing. Big food doesn't like... Uh, small farmers. There is a war against our farmers in this country. We have talked about it a lot. It is not a conspiracy theory. Nobody is spreading conspiracy theories. Our farmers are under attack. It's why more and more farmers right now are speaking out. I played you the clip the other day of the head of the Black Farmers Group. He came out and he said Biden is useless. The border's wide open and our farmers are under attack in this country. But big food does not like competition and they don't want you to eat anything that's remotely healthy. They want you to eat food that's bad for you so they can get you on drugs that will make you better. It's why we're pushing fat loss drugs on kids who are 12. Chubby kids now getting shots of what a Zempic or whatever it is at 12 years old now. That's what we're pushing out here. It's absolutely insane what's going on in, uh, in this country. But uh, don't worry. I mean, people are pushing back on this nonsense. And, you know, at least I can bring this to you and you can hear what's happening for yourself. Uh, there have been so many Chinese nationals who have crossed the border illegally in, into this country in, in just the last several weeks. So, again, I mean, think about the priorities, right? We're going after Pennsylvania Amish farmers while the border is wide open. Bill Malugin from Fox News reporting that internal Customs and Border Patrol data that they've obtained reveals more Chinese nationals have crossed illegally into Border Patrol's San Diego sector in recent months than Mexican nationals have. These are the top 10 nationalities apprehended. Colombia. China, Mexico, Brazil, Ecuador, Turkey, Guinea, India, Guatemala, and Peru. Those are the top 10 countries. But more Chinese nationals have crossed into, a, into this country. So they're, they're second on the list. Colombia's number one. China's number two. Number two. Now, again, I mean, this is what I talked about with Scott Perry earlier in the show. You really think these people are just allowed to leave China to just come to America? Do you honestly believe that that's happening?
there's no way that Xi Jinping is just letting people leave. Countries, you're not allowed to leave countries like China. So what's happening is, of course, is that they're sending them over here. For what purpose? That's the question. That's the question everybody should be asking is, for what purpose are they sending all these Chinese nationals to the United States of America? What are they planning? Why are so many of them coming? Why are so many of them coming over here? By the way, there's some other breaking news. The, um, the ex-FBI informant who's been charged with lying about Biden's business dealings has been rearrested. Yes, that's right. The former FBI informant who was arrested last week on charges of lying to the Bureau about the Biden's alleged business dealings in a Ukrainian energy company was rearrested Thursday after a judge deemed him a flight risk. You talk about trying to destroy the case against Joe Biden by absolutely destroying the credibility of a, a, a major, major allegation here. How do, how do the feds know that this guy's lying? They don't know he's lying, but the, that's not the point. The point is to destroy his credibility by arresting him and then having everybody in the media turning around and saying, ah, it's a Russian, Russian plant. He was released by a Nevada judge earlier this week. A California judge ordered him arrested again on Thursday after federal prosecutors argued that he was a flight risk because he has a, a dual citizenship with Israel. Why? Israel would, ex would extradite him if the United States asked him to. We have an extradition treaty with Israel. The informant is actively peddling new lies that could impact U.S. elections. Federal prosecutors said Wednesday as they appealed to a judge to keep him behind bars ahead of trial on charges alleging he lied to the FBI about a phony multi-million dollar bribery scheme involving the Bidens and the Ukrainian energy company Burisma. Why is Christopher Steele not in prison? He's the guy who was completely behind the Russia collusion hoax. How come he's not in prison? Explain that to me, huh? Because, again, it's about destroying the case against Biden, destroying the narrative. And that's why they arrested this guy and arrested him again. Now, the great Victor Davis Hanson had a point to make about the uh, excessive fine that was levied against Donald Trump. You know, we've had Victor Davis Hanson on the show before. We should get him back, actually, Matt. He's a great guest. He was on with Larry Kudlow, and they talked about the $355 million fine that's been levied against him by New York State. And Victor Davis Hanson points out the excessive fine clause on Donald Trump and the Eighth Amendment of the Constitution really should apply here. Cut number one. Would Cut this one. make a state case or a local case a federal case because of the Eighth Amendment has been violated and the Supreme Court should hear an appeal? Does that make any sense, Victor Davis Hanson? I think it'll eventually get there because if you look at past president, has there been anybody in this jurisdiction that was fined that amount of money or better yet, Larry, fined at all? for overstating supposedly assets on loans that were performing, uh, audit, uh, adjudicated by very sophisticated auditors. Interest was paid, banks were happy, no complaint, either in the past or the present. So there's no contemporaneous example of anything like this. And then when you look at excessive fines and punishment, it's not just the fine, it's the deadline where he has to post the mm -hmm. bond mm -hmm. and he's, his children and he, are not allowed to do business to use their usual levers of, of taking out loans. And then they have a an ex-federal judge also adjudicating what they can do and what they can't. And the company itself has got restrictions on it. And then you've got the larger atmosphere that everybody knows that he might have to unload valuable assets in a short time period, therefore deliberately on the part of the judge and the 
and the uh, prosecutor deflating the actual value of the assets. So it does seem to me it's not only exit, uh, excessive, it's unusual punishment. Were you surprised? I, I think it'll be overturned. But yeah, it is excessive. No, no question about it. It's a serious Eighth Amendment uh, violation, in my opinion. And again, you know, we've talked about this a lot. There were no victims in this case. Nobody had a problem with anything. And the other point I'll make, too, is that this is such a threat to business, to the free market. But, that, but again, they don't care about the free market. The left is just trying to destroy Donald Trump. But if banks, let's say you say the property's worth $300 million, and the bank wants to take your word for it because they know that they, if, you, if they give you a loan that's $300 million, they're going to make more money because of the interest, they're going to make money. They have the right to make money, and they did, and they wanted to do more business with Trump. Why does nobody factor that in? And the reason why they don't factor it in is because it's irrelevant. Under that statute, it's not relevant. There doesn't have to be any intent to defraud, and there doesn't have to be any victims. There literally does not have to be any victims. And there, wa there weren't any victims. That's the point. There were no victims. Here's the other point, too, I want to make. And this is a, a, a very important point that I think is, is uh, important to know. The Biden administration is doubling down on cracking down on gas cars. Tinkering with the near-term speed of implementation doesn't change the end game, which is banning new gas-powered cars. That's what's happening. That's what the Biden administration wants to do. They want to ban gas cars. Just like His Royal Highness King Philip the Unaccountable, His Royal Rugness has announced that in New Jersey, and Gavin Newsom has announced it in California. On the national level, that's exactly what the president wants to do as well. So the EPA has proposed tailpipe emissions, uh, their, their new emission standards, which were in recent weeks submitted to the White House Office of Management and Budget for final review. And they are designed to ensure a staggering 67% of new car sales are electric by 2032. Nobody wants these things. And they're destroying our roads, and they're not selling, and nobody wants them. So what does the government do? The government does what it always does, is it tinkers with the free market and creates a fake market by forcing you to go out and have to buy something you don't want by also eliminating a perfectly legal product, which is a gas-powered car. And that's what they're doing. 67% of cars will have to be electric by the year 2032, unless the, we, get a, we get President Trump in there, and then he can undo all this stuff. Because remember, this is not something that they've passed by Congress. Congress did not pass this law. This is, again, the executive branch using the power that they have to promulgate regulations coming out and basically making a perfectly legal product illegal by just simply pushing out a regulation. And if Congress doesn't like it, Congress has to turn around and Congress has to pass a law to undo a regulation. It's upside-down law. And Biden's liquid natural gas export ban is atrocious and bad for America, and it needs to be stopped. 855-839-1210. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Don't go away. We are live from CPAC 2024. More surprises straight ahead. Coming right back. Thanks for listening to the Zioli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHD and the Odyssey app. All right, let me explain what's going to happen here. So our special guest is going to stop by in a few minutes, and um, she's presently doing an interview with Steve Bannon right now. That's going to end in a few minutes, and she's going to come over here. Now, we're going to chat. I'm probably going to go longer with her than the time until the show ends, which means that at some point the show is just going to end, and we'll go into Mark Levin's show. You'll hear the full interview tomorrow, because I imagine it's going to go longer than the allotted time. 
So, Henry, is there anything I need to do before the end of the show? Uh, no. Riveting. Thank you, Henry. What, what, do you, what do you want me to say? Do you want to give me a rundown? <laughs> no, I just, no, 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 no. The word no is fine. It's, it's so don't, concise. So don't, yeah, so don't criticize it. I, it's better that he said no. I said riveting. Well, that's a compliment. <laughs> I gave, just gave you a compliment. I said riveting. It's just the way you say it. Uh, no. <laughs> Not like it's been a great show, great job. I usually Kicking say that after the show. Landing today, nothing, just uh, no. <laughs> it's like having freaking Lurch what? back there at the studio. <laughs> Honestly. You rang. That's what we should start doing for you. We should have you say, you rang. We, I, I had that. We that a long time yeah. ago. We do have it somewhere. Uh, oh, by the way, guys, you this rang. is really good. They're perfect. Yeah, they're <laughs> perfect. By the way, Vice Media is going to stop publishing on Vice.com and plans to cut hundreds of jobs. Um, Vice Media. Who owns Vice Media again? Um, I have an idea. A private equity firm, Fortress, took over Vice last year in bankruptcy. And, but, <laughs> but as I understand it, Fortress Media is something else, right? Vice is, again, a loser. I mean, it's a, it's a lefty loser site, right? Isn't it? Vice? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So a Fortress is a private, let's see, the bankrupt Fortress Media. I'm just trying to understand a little bit. Uh, uh, Fortress Investment Group and, oh, and Soros Fund Management. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. Well, there you go. Um, uh, so anyway. How could that be relevant to us? I don't know. <laughs> In a sign of good things to come. Uh, so Vice uh, is now shutting down operations. Hundreds of jobs will be laid off. And uh, it would stop publishing online content on its flagship website and plans to cut hundreds of jobs following a failed effort to sell the embattled digital publisher, digital publisher and its brands. That's kind of weird, though, because I thought hedge funds buy stuff to make money. Isn't that what we're told? Uh, <laughs> that's typically what we're, yeah. I mean, a hedge fund isn't in the, isn't in the business of charity or losing money. Or, or political propaganda. Well. Or shutting down. Um, I guess it depends. They said it's no longer cost-effective for us to distribute our digital content the way we have done previously. Uh, as part of the shift, we will no longer publish content on Vice.com. It's a women's lifestyle-focused site. No, Refinery29, which is a women's lifestyle-focused site, will continue to operate as a standalone publishing business, and the company is in advanced discussions to sell that, as the Wall Street Journal previously reported. Okay, we expect to announce more on that in the coming weeks. With all the strategic shift comes down the need to realign our resources and streamline our overall uh, operations advice. Regrettably, this means that we will be reducing our workforce, eliminating several hundred positions. Employees who will be affected will be notified about next steps early next week. See, it's weird because I thought the people behind this were geniuses. <laughs> we're absolute geniuses. Mm. Yeah, well, I feel really good. Yeah. <laughs> we better make that movie, Cocaine White House Dogs, <laughs> ASAP. Because, anyway. Um, update the resume. So our special guest is Tulsi Gabbard. I should mention that. Oh. Since we're almost at the end of the show. And she's doing an interview with Steve Bannon right now. She just spoke at CPAC. She's going to come here. She's only doing two interviews today, Steve Bannon and our show. And they have the, the what do they call those things? This. The rope line yeah, all set up here. Yeah, our section of CPAC is roped <clears throat> off right now. We're literally the only show on because they 
punish me and make me go till seven o'clock. Yeah, I don't know if we have security now because of Tulsi or just because there's no one else left to secure aside from us. Yeah, maybe they're just the security guys are just bored at this point. Like, <laughs> well, we'll protect them. Maybe they like I the guess. show. But they're enjoying it. They should like the show. It's a great. It's a great friggin' show. Anyway, Tulsi will be on. I don't know how much of of her will have on the actual show. So the show, like I said, if she comes here any minute, um, it'll just end. If she doesn't get here in time, then we'll just... Either way, we're going to play the whole interview tomorrow for you live at CPAC. We're also working on some other big uh, names for you for tomorrow's show as well. Everything, it, it's very fluid here. That's the thing. You got you to gotta, you gotta just um, roll with the punches at CPAC because things change uh, on a dime here at this place. Everything is subject to change. It's just how it goes. It's, it's the media. You know what I mean? So it's all right. And her publisher, though, likes us. And she likes me very much, obviously. Well, I mean, how could she not? And so that's why she's agreed to do an interview with only two shows today, Bannon and me. So look at that. Pretty cool, huh? And um, you'll get to hear the whole thing in its entirety tomorrow on the show. In fact, Henry, what's my out time? Oh, hard out of 56.50? All right. Yep. So we don't really have much time left anyway, right? Yeah, no. Yeah. All right. And I think she's still talking to Steve. So we may not, we may not get her at all today, but that's okay. We'll, we'll have the interview in its entirety for you tomorrow. So that'll be fun, right? That'll be a lot of fun. Um, it's, just, it's, fun it's just funny because we're, we're so used to shows never being planned. We don't plan a damn thing on this show. We never have. And then we actually try to plan something, and it doesn't work. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I, what am I going to do for four minutes? Just vamp? I'm vamping? I can't get into something. Can't start a segment. So I'll go back to my poll. Which movie <laughs> title do you like better? Mine Since I'm lost. probably going to be out of radio soon and in, into the filmmaking business. So which do you like better? That is the question right now. Do you like the movie title, Cocaine White House Dogs, or Defund the Police, dot, 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 dog, exclamation mark? Right now, Cocaine White House Dog is leading at 85%. Defund the Police, dot, 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 dog, exclamation mark, is at 15%. All right? So basically, the bottom line is this. Cocaine White House Dog seems to be the winner. But the polling is not over yet. It's not over yet. <laughs> it seems pretty close to over. You still have a chance. Those of you who are all in on defund the police, dot, 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 dog, exclamation mark, you have a chance to change everything. You can change the world. You can change it all <laughs> with your vote. Sounds Basically, like uh, I was the only one. It sounds like defund the police dogs has the same amount of chance as uh, your boy uh, Asshat Hutchinson does to win uh, the presidential election. I don't think you're saying his name right. It's Asad Hutchins. Oh, excuse me. Excuse as I'm me. saying, this is as three nuns are walking by. This is like a bad <laughs> joke. Sorry, sisters. <laughs> so mother, sister, not quite sure right there. Um, it is Hutchinson for the record. Asad Hutchinson. Henry, you were correct. I <laughs> oh. spoke. Okay. My bad. Sorry about that. Asad Hutchinson. All right. Well, there you go. Um, what else do we got? Nothing? That's it? All right. Uh, <laughs> got like a minute here. Yeah. So This is just terrible timing. Talk, uh, timing's everything in life, right? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it's not great timing, obviously, but it's not terrible either. It could have been worse. I was nervous that they were going to actually physically throw us out of here at 7 o'clock, but that doesn't seem to be uh, occurring. So on the bright side, at least we can conduct our interview. Yes. On the downside, the audience just won't hear it. It'll yes. be for, for you and I. And I have confirmed with the Trump campaign that President Trump will be coming back on the show. I don't know exactly when, but he will be coming back on the show. 
That's about as big of a, a get as you can possibly get. It won't be here at CPAC, but it will be soon. And uh, that's why um, it was so great to have our buddy Roma come on, because she is the woman who can make it happen. All right, well, I guess we'll play the interview with Tulsi for you tomorrow. She's going to walk over in just a few minutes, and we'll record it. And then we'll play it for you tomorrow on the show as we continue day two live at CPAC on Talk Radio 1210 WPHC. The great one, Mark Levin, who's speaking here tomorrow, is up next. They actually asked me to fill in for Mark tomorrow night, but I can't because I'm here at CPAC. That's okay. We'll have a lot of great stuff for you tomorrow on the show. Keep the conversation going on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Thank you. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and on the free Odyssey app. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.